hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Wildwoods of Vancouver Island. Welcome to the Soda Farm. Isha Jerome here alongside the state of Hoppy. Thank you for joining us whenever and wherever you are listening. How's it going, buddy? Watched hockey for the last 24 hours. How do you think it's going? Oh, it's going fucking amazing. I didn't get to catch like all the games back to back to back today because I had some work to do. Um, but I did catch the Minnesota Wild and Colorado Avalanche game. Well, the first and second period mostly. But the third period from when I went back and watched the highlights was pretty uneventful anyway. So, hey, yeah. that's all right. That's all right. And that's actually the only one I've really caught in full today too because I've been doing some stuff. But, yeah, between all of the games coming back, I mean, I don't – my expectations weren't high. I was just happy to see players out there. And as of now, I mean, there'd been a couple of injury scares, but right now it doesn't look like anyone is hurt to the point of putting them out of competition. So that's all that matters. What were some of the injury scares uh, that, that like really like made you gasp right off the bat? <laughs> well, uh, it depends on which game. If we're talking wild, it was definitely Susie blocking that shot. That wasn't ideal. No. Um, but watching Penguins Flyers, I thought Brian Dumoulin was going to be done. And that was terrifying because, by and large, he is the most important defenseman to the Penguins, which most fans outside of Pittsburgh wouldn't know that. But he, I'd much rather have him in the lineup than Latang personally, with what he does on both ends of the ice. But he's okay, so not an issue. Susie, um, we'll get into it. Um, he, yeah, he was kind of throwing his body, you know, in front of shots, left, right, and center, or, or not even in just in front of shots. Like you'd go down in deep in, in the crease as well. I don't know. I didn't really like Susie's game. Uh, I think he had a lot of rust to shake off. Um, but we'll talk about that. Uh, later in this show uh, right before we get into the show rundown I just want to say uh, if Devin Snow's watching right now uh, he'll be with us later representing the Rippin' Biscuits podcast but I mean I almost fucked up his show tonight because he does uh, he does the HTM undressed uh, pretty much every night of the week um, but hey I do want to just say I do want to say I did send out an invitation and say and said does it work? You know, does, w- w- will it work for you to come on the podcast after 7 p.m. Pacific time? I know I said Pacific Standard Time, and he said he, and you know, he said it was good um, before reading the time zone and then realized that that's, you know, nine central time and there was a little bit of, uh, well, conflicting schedules. But you know what? The guy's coming through even for, uh, even for just a little bit here in the last segment of the show. So we're really excited for that. But uh, yeah, we had a little bit of a back and forth this morning trying to figure things out because, uh, you know, he's a busy guy and <laughs> you got to read well, those time zones, man. You know? you know what, though, Isha? Like, I know you drive the bus here, no questions asked, but this is a Minnesota podcast. You got to convert to Central Time. Hey, I've been. That's I've, on I've, you. Okay, f- fair enough. I've been trying, though. I've been trying. At least I've been specifying these days. Back in the day, I didn't even, like, think that there was any other time zones but my own in this little bubble. <laughs> um, but at least on the schedules and stuff right now, I'm putting central time first. 
Um, and, uh, and, and, and speaking of that, let's get right into the show rundown. We got the hoppy hour right out of the gates. Uh, we'll run down the beer poll question and what we're drinking tonight. Uh, state of hoppy. will have some things cooking as well. Then we're going to dive into the NHL poll question and some wild, uh, Minnesota wild notes. And if we have some time, some broader NHL topics, um, and then right at nine o'clock central time, we're bringing on uh, sporty with Corey and Richie. And then after their segment around uh, nine 15, uh, Devin snow and hopefully Craig Granger, uh, from the rip and biscuits podcast, Craig, you better, I see you join the live stream. You better be, uh, uh, you better be joining, uh, the, the podcast later with Devin. Cause we got you boys scheduled, uh, hashtag rip and biscuits. Um, we'll, we'll shout out the sponsors and, and whatnot, uh, later in the show, uh, since we're running a little bit behind right now, let's jump right into the hoppy hour here on the soda pod. I can't take this shit. Are you serious? I love that stuff. Been drinking it for years. You know, I, I heard they recently decided to add more hops to it. What happened there? You all hopped out? Well, since obviously this is a uh, Thursday podcast that'll be dropping, there wasn't a brewery to review, but anyone that follows me or the soda pod for that matter because of all the retweets knows how much i've been pumping junkyard brewing up in moorhead um so they've been off the grid like since covid started because they were selling out of everything like on site from all their locals so they weren't shipping down to the twin cities i talked to one of the guys at france 44 in edina that's where i usually go to get beers like that and drecker that are a little bit less common. Mm. Um, the guy told me that because of stupid Minnesota alcohol laws, uh, it sounds like they're coming close to their threshold for to-go beers that they can sell on-site because of how much they were pumping on-site throughout quarantine. So I don't know how much truth there is to it, but that's at least what the employee told me. So it means we got a lot more junkyard that's gonna be coming our way nice everyone should follow them on twitter because they are pretty good about saying what liquor stores are dropping off at and when they're gonna do it and it's i've got like a top five that juggles around depending on what i'm feeling but if i had to pick a number one it might be junkyard they are so yeah. good across the board with everything they have um i just love them so much um but so tonight especially in light of some of the results we're seeing from this week's more generic poll. I did have a pale ale, but this is just for the viewers right now. You're going to love this, Isha. Here's what we've got for the can design. Oh, that's it's, amazing. It's the Christian Bale Ale. And oh the commentary God. from Robin is, uh, is it a pale ale or is it a session IP dot, 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 and then Batman slaps him and says, it's hoppy. Oh, man. That is perfect. Okay, you have to take a picture of that and uh, post it on the, uh, the SodaPod oh, yeah. Twitter account or, or on your, your account at State of Hoppy, and it'll, I'll share it. It'll because, be coming. Don't you even worry. Yeah, but, because those no, who I mean, aren't watching us right now live, they have to see that art because that's something amazing. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. And, I mean, you can see here, like, this is a thick, hazy, you know, pale ale. It's not too far, to be completely honest, from what an IPA would be like, but it is a little bit different. You can tell. But, I mean, again, across the board, I love Junkyard. Their IPAs are solid, but where their strength really lies is in their porters and stouts. They knock it out of the park. 
I truly encourage everyone follow them, find their beer whenever it's coming to the Twin Cities, or hey, if you go up towards Moorhead or Fargo, stop there and Drecker. Phenomenal, phenomenal beers. Awesome, man. Um, yeah, well, let's get right into the, the beer poll question here, and then I'll talk a little bit about what, what I'm drinking as well. Um, I, <laughs> I was going to go full Lucky Lager and try to, try to make a case for, uh, well, Vancouver Island's version of, uh, of Bud Light there down south. Um, but I decided to go with something, uh, something worth talking about here on this segment. Our beer poll question this week, simple, you know, simple as this. What is your favorite type of beer? Um, obviously, in this case, write-ins are encouraged because we only could choose four. Um, in a pretty tight race, uh, Hoppy, we, uh, the, the choices we put forth were porter slash stout, IPA, sour, and pale ale. Um, who do you think is winning the poll right now? Last I saw it was pale ale, but they were all pretty close. I mean, it's hard to say who's got it right now. IPA is leading right now 30%. Of course, for some reason, 2020 is the the day of the IPA. Hey, Um, last I saw, they were in last place. So it's definitely been juggling around. Well, some some young hipster folk uh, must have seen this uh, <laughs> this poll. Well, they they saw Richie's comment saying that it's hot garbage, and they're all like, "Well, Richie doesn't know what he's talking about," and just went IPA, IPA, IPA. Richie actually doesn't know what he's talking about at all. Save Hop. He's actually in the chat right here saying he's fresh out of beer in his fridge and he's gonna come on the soda pod without one, buddy. I don't know what the fuck you thought this was coming on the soda pod beerless. You he got, better find something. You got you got like fifteen minutes to go get yourself a beer, Richie Flores, before you jump on our show here. Um, <laughs> sour at nineteen percent and porter at twenty two. I'm surprised sour is at nineteen percent. Um, it hey, must have just I- a cult following man because like don't get me wrong i've drank a sour before you know even on this podcast the hat trick was very impressed with it but it is by no Um, means you know anywhere close to porter stout ipa or pale ale in my mind so that's one of the ones that i'm actually happy that it's only at that kind of a percentage that's you nailed you nailed it it's one of those cult followings that you either love sours or you're not a fan i'm not a fan I've definitely had some that I can respect and I get where people are coming from, but I just really haven't acquired that taste. But there was a time when I wasn't a fan of IPAs and here I am. So I guess Porter and Stouts change. Porter and Stouts are the same thing. Well, so I'll I'll touch on that here too, but just so everyone knows the reason that we did this, Isha had a ton of stuff going on this weekend. We didn't get the poll out right away and I'm actually taking off on Friday to go out of town. So just figured it was easier if I pick a brewery, anyone that follows me again, or the soda pod saw that I went out today and did some market research. Uh, no one's guessed where I went yet. So I'm kind of waiting on that before I'll put more pictures up, but someone said they knew where it was, but they didn't guess it yet. So it's like, need, buddy, do you really to- know? I don't believe them. So <laughs> it, it is a great place though. I'll review it thoroughly on Sunday. Awesome. Um, but the, the Porter Stout debate, so, like, I don't care. I'm not, like, a hardo on it, but Porters and Stouts are essentially the same beer, but they're defined by alcohol percentage, and no one really follows it. They just call it a Porter or Stout based on what they want to do for the most part, I that see. I've seen at least. Um, granted, I've never seen a Porter that's, like, 10% or higher, so it doesn't go that far out of whack, but Porter is usually the lower percentage uh, – I'd be lying if I said I knew exactly what it was, but it's somewhere in the six to seven percent range is kind of the cutoff. 
Okay. Higher is stout, lower is porter, but I've seen plenty of stouts that are 5%. I've seen plenty of porters that are 9%. So it's not like a hard and fast rule by any means. But you got, we got the expert here on the soda pod in the state of hoppy, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'll, I'll go over our interaction on the, the poll question on the Sunday episode. We got we to gotta move right along here. I just quickly want to run down what I'm drinking now. This is, this is awesome. And I don't think I've talked about Squamish backcountry brewing yet. Squamish, BC, a beautiful part of British Columbia, uh, just north of the Vancouver area. Uh, the can is very cool, as you can see. And I'll post some art on the soda pod. Uh, this is the Mountain Life Pale ale because i think my vote went to pale ale because right now either a hazy pale ale or just a you know generic pale ale i've been really into um this was a collaboration with actually a um an artist and a bike photographer as there's a mountain biker on the back here i don't know if the camera can pick it up again i will share some of the information and and some of the photos and artwork on um on twitter because the when i read collaboration i'm like okay well what what brewery did did uh backcountry um collaborate with and it was cool to see that no it was actually a photographer and artist for the for the the canned art and it's a uh it's right now it's just a feature so i don't know if it's gonna be uh coming back next year but it has been a uh it's so popular man that it's actually sold out um in every other liquor store north of like mid vancouver island and this was you know the liquor store that i went to just happened to have it and i just happened to pick it up on the shelf i didn't know that it was in that much demand um it's a 5.5 percent ibu of 25 super smooth um it could pass for a hazy uh pale ale um in in my opinion just the way the way it goes down but uh you know this is incredible man i was when you were talking earlier i know the the screen only goes to whoever's talking but uh, i don't know if you saw i was like took a sip after a crack and i was like holy fuck like that's this is really good. So I'm a huge fan. Shout out uh, Backcountry Brewing, Squamish, BC. This is outstanding. Goes down so smooth. All right. Um, so cool. <laughs> let's, uh, I'll get you right now to throw it to Pete Jensen. I'll get you to do a little intro right now. And then, we'll, then we have 10 minutes or so to run down uh, the NHL poll question here on the live stream before we bring on, well, Richie and Corey of Sporty of Corey and Richie. Maybe we'll squeeze in a little wild talk in there. But I think before we bring them on here, uh, I know on the live stream and YouTube, you're not going to get this interview. Please go download the podcast for the exclusive guest segment. But I'll throw it to the state of Hoppy here to intro our guest this week. Yeah, and I won't go as in-depth as I do for the actual interview. But Pete Jensen, a guy that we've gone back and forth with quite a bit, uh, he's actually very active on Twitter. If you throw down questions or if you oppose any of his views, he's more than happy to go toe-to-toe and discuss it. Um, But great guy, definitely very knowledgeable just across the NHL as a whole. And he's worked his way up, like I mentioned, to being the the senior uh, editor for fantasy sports with NHL.com. And actually – uh, has at least once a week drops uh, episodes for the NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast. Definitely check them out, whether it's looking for help with your playoff pools this year or looking to next season if you need a little bit of help getting ready for your fantasy drafts. They're the ones to check out for sure. All right, without further ado, let's throw it to Pete. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.
NHL Fantasy On Ice podcast. The Penn State alum, which we won't hold against him here on this podcast, uh, is a veteran of seven plus years, ranging from anything on camera, editorial, radio and podcast, multimedia production, social media, and marketing experience with organizations you're probably familiar with, like NHL.com, NHL Network, DraftKings, WFAN, TN. And ESPNU. Well, this has led him to becoming the senior fantasy editor at NHL.com. Please welcome Pete Jensen. How are you doing today, sir? Doing great. Great to be on with you, uh, especially, you know, with the Minnesota Wild days away from uh, restarting their season. And uh, I'm going to be covering them in the playoffs, that series against the uh, the Vancouver Canucks. So yeah, great to be on with you. And uh, thanks for the nice introduction. Of course, I just hope Isha doesn't make me start doing more introductions now. But uh, you know, my co-host Isha regretfully wasn't able to jump on with us here today. He had a lapse of judgment and thought that I could drive the bus here by myself. We'll see how that goes. But before diving into NHL talk, you know, off that intro, I've, I've got to ask your thoughts on Penn State's rise to power in NCAA hockey. Yeah, that has been really fun to see. Um, obviously, when I was there, I graduated in 2010. It was not a Division One program, which I obviously wish that it was. But I've been able to get back for a couple of games over the years, including this past year when I went up for a football game. And um, the same weekend, the Monday after the weekend when they played Pitt uh, in football, they had an NHL preseason game between the Penguins and the Sabres which was really cool to see played at a college venue. Uh, it's a smaller arena. I think it holds like six or 7,000, but it's always packed uh, to the brim as any Minnesota fan would know or any uh, other top program in college hockey. So yeah, that's, it's been kind of cool to see some players, uh, you know, get a chance in the NHL organizations after they've graduated. And I would expect with more longevity that they would, build an even greater presence uh, in the NHL ranks. I mean, I'm hoping for that. I know it takes time. It's only been, what, six years or something like that that they've had a program. But it, it was unfortunate this year. I mean, so many things, the, the COVID pandemic affected so many different things in the world. Of course, college athletes not being able to finish their championship season, like Penn State won the Big Ten um, hockey conference this year and never got a chance uh, to make the frozen four or anything like that. So that was unfortunate. It was unfortunate for the basketball team this year too. They were, uh, you know, they had a chance to get back to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2011 and the rest of the season never happened, unfortunately. So yeah, hoping that, you know, college athletes can get back up to speed in the near future when it's safe. I mean, that's the biggest priority for everybody. No, definitely. It's weird to see how all college sports are going to kind of come out of this, you know, especially we'll get a lot of guidance on what happens in the fall with football, but you know, it's all kind of up in the air and it's tough when you're dealing with student athletes instead of paid professionals. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've seen, we've been fortunate uh, for the NHL that they've not only had um, 
they've been on the same page about restarting the season. They've also had the foresight and, um, you know, the selflessness to extend the collective bargaining agreement for four more years, um, which I think gives five or six years of labor peace now. So to see them come together, I mean, clearly it's uh, the NHL organizations and the commissioner with uh, working together with the players union. Uh, but obviously other sports like major league baseball have had a really rough time during the pause in their season um, in getting on the same page. So, and yeah, like you said, there's no union representing the college athletes who are not being compensated beyond their, um, you know, their free tuition for the, uh, to be in universities. So that I would expect uh, in addition to all the problems uh, in the country right now uh, with the virus spiking in different States, like that's going to be, uh, really probably a touchy subject uh, until if and when they agree to some something to be able to play. I mean, that just adds a whole different element, a whole different layer to the situation. No, but your point, it is very encouraging to see how they're doing in comparison to some of the other leagues out there, for sure. Just um, a little bit to your role there working with NHL.com, you have what I think is safe to label a lot of hockey fans dream job. You know, it's just everyone grows up playing fantasy hockey. Everyone's a fan of the sport. I'm sure there's a lot of fans and listeners right now who probably think you're just watching hockey and analyzing players all day. Can you talk to me just about how you get into this type of a role and give us a little glimpse of you know, what a day in the life is? Yeah, I mean, I we're, we're focused on a number of different elements for our fantasy coverage. We cover the season-long formats for the regular season, playoff pools for the postseason, and in this case, the expanded postseason with the qualifiers. Uh, we cover daily fantasy, DFS, and then also starting this year, we've been covering uh, sports wagering. So that's been kind of cool to be a part of and dip our toes into that Um area of the growing sports landscape so yeah i mean we're monitoring i mean for anyone who hasn't followed me i mean i am happy to say that i can cover every team in the league uh pretty in depth with knowing their prospects knowing their lineups knowing their trends from previous years from this season uh their strengths and weaknesses their rosters um pretty much everything about all 31 teams and now soon to be 32 with the Seattle Kraken coming into the league in a couple of years. So um, it's an exciting thing to be a part of. Um, you know, I, I'm responsible for the NHL fantasy social accounts. Um, I write and edit and produce daily fantasy articles all year round. And that's been kind of a cool thing as I've developed this role, like my work in doing, uh, the fantasy stuff on the side of my regular job, which first off at the NHL was like you said, multimedia production. Um, I've kind of carved this niche for myself here and I've been able to go, I have my own podcast, NHL fantasy on ice. Uh, check it out if you haven't already and go on NHL network to uh, break down, you know, the series and the season and all kinds of rankings lists and sleepers and stuff not only looking back at the past, but also spinning it forward uh, to the future for projections and stuff like that. So it's kind of like an all-encompassing role, um, you know, covering gaming for the NHL, 
um, even a little bit of esports uh, here during the pause. So it's and it's like I've been able to develop it into its own role. And I also work with my colleague, Rob Reese, uh, who joined us uh, about two years ago. And it's kind of just become, you know, its own. It's been a different animal, really, at the league. It's it's taken on greater priority. It's been fun to watch it grow. And, you know, I've been able to uh, kind of be responsible for all elements from the production to the actual writing to the radio and TV stuff, uh, social media being on-air talent and uh, just managing the whole content plan for uh, for our fantasy coverage. Awesome. And off of that, then, you know, this is kind of the, the big debate that's raged on in recent years. And you go too in-depth because we could probably talk about this for days, but talk about the balance in your role looking at, you know, not just analyzing the teams, but looking from a fantasy perspective. What's the you know, yin and yang between eye test and analytics today? Yeah, it's definitely a combination. I mean, I, I you have to watch the games. You have to, you know, be mindful of each player's roles and strengths and weaknesses. But also, yeah, analytics-wise, sometimes that tells uh, a lot of the story. So it's, uh, you know, always looking at um, – you know, different situations, five on five versus power play. Sometimes guys are relying on the power play. Teams are relying on the power play um, and changes in that could affect future performance or drop offs. Um, of course, player movement is always one of the most exciting things for breaking down fantasy value. And, and keep in mind, fantasy value is almost always directly in touch with reality. Maybe some technicalities or a little bit differently, you know, different where people who don't play fantasy wouldn't care about one specific element, but a lot of our coverage translates. That's why I've been able to step in uh, here and cover the wild and the uh, Canucks series, you know, without any, uh, you know, pretty smooth transition. So, and then of course you, uh, a lot of my picks like the past few years in the playoffs, like last year, I, I picked uh, three of the four final four teams um, I had the Sharks, the Blues, and the Bruins, and uh, of course missed the Capitals because they were outed in the first round. But like the playoffs are really difficult to predict, and um, from covering things so extensively with fantasy, I felt it's translated really well. It's always unpredictable. I mean, you could see top seeds lose in any series this year. Would you be shocked if Montreal or Chicago won in the qualifying round? I'd be surprised, but not shocked at all. So that's kind of the fun of the whole sport and it always keeps you on your toes. You know, you're not, it's not like you could ever get complacent uh, because the next day is always a challenge where you have to look at a devil's advocate thing where you have to look <laughs> and go against the grain with your picks, uh, you know, for bounce backs and uh, regression and stuff like that. So those are some of the things we're thinking about with our daily fantasy coverage at NHL.com and on all our platforms. Awesome. And last here, before we dive in a little bit deeper into the series, as you mentioned before, um, chance here for you to, you know, the platform. We all know how the internet works. Everyone thinks that your rankings reflect your fandom or your disdain for any given teams or players out there. So just confirm it for us here now um, while we have it on recording. You hate everyone's favorite team, and your job is to stir the hornet's nest that is hockey Twitter, <laughs> correct? 
I I actually like so I I grew up on Long Island. I'm uh, you know I grew up watching the Islanders, uh, following the Sabers. I mean, though that's kind of my background and how I got into hockey. That said, like I follow each team so extensively, and I can talk about them from a positive or a negative standpoint. That I could like honestly say that I don't have any biases anymore um, with any particular team, like you were, like you would have grown up as as a fan. So um, I can enjoy and appreciate any team's success within the scope of the league, whether they've been around for three years, like the Golden Knights, or. Fifty uh, something years, like some of the uh, original fa- franchises, obviously. But um, I can appreciate how tough it is to to get to the finals. Some teams have never been to the finals. Some teams have been there once and lost. You know, it's it's really tough. So, and I can appreciate teams that haven't been in the playoffs for a long time, and some that get there every year but can't push through. And um, yeah, so I would say that like almost the opposite of what you were saying. Like I, I can honestly say that I appreciate every team's success and I, I enjoy every team's success, which makes it fun to watch. And of course you make your picks, you know, you make your picks and I wouldn't say you have a rooting interest in, in the guy in the teams you pick and the players you pick to perform well. Um, of course I, you know, I'd rather be right more than wrong. Of course, anybody would say that, but um at a certain point, like last year, like I was a good example. I would pick the Bruins to win the whole thing. And uh, the Blues took them to the brink. The Blue, the Bruins had game seven on home ice. Was I a little shocked at how that turned out in the first period of that game uh, from the context of, you know, the pick I made on all our shows and stuff? Of course I was aware of it and stuff, but you had to appreciate how Bennington stood on his head in that first period. And, how the blues maybe deserve to be down two or three, nothing. And they were up to nothing after it was done. So some of it is kind of, you know, just enjoying the success of some of these top performing teams and players and appreciating sometimes uh, how they were able to exceed expectations because you're never going to be a hundred percent right or anywhere even close to it. Uh, whether you're doing, uh, advo- you know, doing fantasy pools or, wagering uh, coverage or anything like that so definitely keeps you humble keeps you on your toes and you're able to appreciate uh, when you're so not invested in these teams but you're so aware of everything going on with all 31 teams so that's kind of a fun part of my job where I can you know really just enjoy any team's success in any given year any given series any given game no, for sure. And I, I had to prod that one in just because I can only imagine how many people comment daily saying that you hate their team or their player. But uh, no, we both know unbiased professional over here. And this is where we get into the meat of things here. Pete, like you mentioned before, had to get you on here to speak with us, just given that you are covering the series. Uh, let's jump in first. What excites you about the Minnesota Wild? I think the way they were playing before the pause in the season, right? I mean, eight and four under Dean Evason, clearly. I mean, if you haven't checked out my feature on Kevin Fiala, uh, Fiala was, you know, top, I think he was sixth in the NHL in scoring or tied for sixth from the time Evason was hired to replace Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux to the pause in the season because of the coronavirus. So, the way that they were playing before the pause totally 
resurrected their season and made you think again, like, hey, the Wild may not be going into a full rebuild because they're now in the qualifiers. They're virtually in the postseason. So that's kind of been a really fun thing to watch the Wild go from kind of, you know, still keeping their defensive identity and then getting solid goaltending from Alex Stalock this year. And I think they can get solid goaltending from Devin Dubnik as well in the playoffs if he bounces back. But kind of finding a new offensive uh, ceiling, offensive threshold to uh, excite their fans a little bit more and think, hey, we have the def- defensive structure. If we can, you know, we have the experience edge over the Vancouver Canucks. If they can, you know, put that together and carry over the momentum, another one, I would not be shocked at all if they beat Vancouver in this qualifying round series, even with all their star power and everything like that. Sure. And I'm not going to make this easy for you now because you already hit on the biggest question mark for the Wild. Outside of goaltending, is there anything in particular that worries you looking at the Wild going in? I mean, it's kind of strange. You So you could say some teams have two elite centers. I would even put Vancouver close to that category with Pedersen and, and Bo Horvat. I, mean, I think they're not – like Bo Horvat maybe isn't an elite fantasy center. But real-life value on both ends, I love both of those players. Second-line center for the Wild, you know, whoever you want to call it. Is it Erickson <laughs> Eck? Is it, you know, Miko Koivu is in the bottom six now. But by name value, he, he belongs, you know, he's a significant line, significant player uh, in the later stages of his career. But I do worry, like, beyond Eric Stahl, they don't have much firepower at the center position. Um, matching up against Vancouver or whoever they play, even if they do pull the upset. I mean, whoever you're going to play in the second round as the lower-seeded team, you're probably going to get bounced because you have St. Louis, you have Colorado, Vegas, who I really like uh, on paper to win the Stanley Cup, and then even Dallas. Like, Dallas has some great uh, center depth, whether it's Sagan, Pavelski, who could play center, Rupe Hintz. They got some – Jamie Benn can play some center. I mean, look at even the fourth best team out of those four uh, who were in the round robin. Uh, it would be an overwhelming advantage at the center position compared to Minnesota. So, yeah, center depth is a concern for me, uh, for Minnesota for sure. No, and that's something that we've talked about a lot. I agree that something that, you know, it's off season, however long that is, that's got to be one of the key points to address for Billy Guerin. Yeah. Um, go back then to the goaltending again a lot of question marks with the obvious asterisk that you're not in the locker room you don't know what's happening day to day but just from a philosophical perspective looking at the guys you start for game one for the goaltenders who would I start for game one uh I mean I don't know I feel like you have to you'd have to reward Alex Stalock for what he did in the regular season and give him game one is that not to say that Dubnik might get game two if he falters and then, you know, could lead them to a series win and then Stalag never plays again? Sure, that could happen. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see that happen. But Stalock, what he did in the regular season, career high in games, starts and wins and shutouts, he's earned it. I mean, unless he's not up to speed for some reason or he's not sharp in training camp, you know, he's he has he's got to be the front runner to start game one and he's earned it that said I, I think I was talking to 
Dubnik or Dean Evison, I think it was Dubnik, said that Kapokakinen, the third stringer, could really be a big asset to the Wild over the course of the tournament. So say the Wild go on to the first round of the playoffs and upset Vancouver, and then all of a sudden something pops up in terms of you know, you know, hopefully not, hopefully with the bubble, the virus is not going to come up at any point, but of course there are injuries anyway. And these teams are picking up play after not playing for four plus months. So injuries, even sometimes you see in an NHL game, like when the, when the, uh, you know, former Zamboni driver pulled in as the emergency backup for the Maple Leafs and played in the game and got the win. Like it's not unheard of for two guys to get injured in a single game, in which case Kakinen, who was the AHL goalie of the year and fared well in the NHL, could certainly play in this tournament for Minnesota. And that would be really cool to see his untapped potential on display in the playoffs. And I, I really would love to see that. Not that I would want anything, uh, you know, to deter the other two guys, but how cool would it be? would it be for a team like the Rangers or a team like Minnesota to be able to play all three of their goalies um, and get the most out of them? So that's something that as much as goaltending is a concern for the wild, um, I think that it's exciting at the same time where uh, any guy could get the job done and they have options to play with anytime a guy falters. So say game one goes bad for Stalock, game two goes bad for, for Dubnik, they could go to Kakinen and then he could turn it around for them, win three in a row and get them to the next round. That's totally feasible. So that's an exciting part about having goalie depth or depth at any position for this particular 2014 tournament. Wow. It's just impressive that you found a way to talk about wild goaltending debacle in an intriguing and exciting way. I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's it's definitely you know it's a weak point compared to other teams but when you look at their depth a lot of teams if it came to the, even their second goalie it would be a disaster I mean take away Connor Hellebuck from Winnipeg they'd be out in the first round take away Freddie Anderson from the Maple Leafs same thing take away Vasilevsky from the Lightning I think they'd be in some trouble but Minnesota New York Rangers Vegas Golden Knights with their elite elite tandem of Flurry and Robin Leonard, it, you know it's not the worst thing in the world if you have to use that second or third string guy. No, definitely agree. Um, and we'll shift here the opposite side then of the spectrum, Pete. And I don't think anyone needs you to tell them where the strength is and why to be afraid of the Canucks with that top end scoring you mentioned, with advantage in net with Markstrom, um, right. But my my co-host here, Isha, again, he's actually up the wild winning this series, but born and raised BC boy, he has some questions specifically on the Canucks drilling into some things that people maybe aren't talking about. First, he wants to know your thoughts on Adet being I think could be more of an impact player than both Vancouver and Minnesota markets realize. What are your thoughts there? You were saying Adam Godet? Yep. Yeah, he's he's uh he's gotten some looks in the top six. I mean, like they're it seems like they really like Travis Green really likes the way he's been playing. You know, he's on the line with Roussel and Zach McEwen, I think, uh, during training camp. But the other day they moved him up to play with JT Miller and um, and Tyler Toffoli when they reunited Besser with Pedersen briefly. 
they have some flexibility. Gaudette was a great college player that obviously um, is kind of not underutilized, but overshadowed by Pedersen and Besser. So, and sometimes you look to guys on the third line that are really the difference maker, the deeper a team goes. If a team doesn't have a third line and they get to the conference final, they usually get eliminated. So it's really important for that depth of a player like Gaudette um, for their long-term ceiling and also their ceiling this postseason, their untapped potential in the playoffs. Pedersen has never played in the playoffs. Gaudette has never played in the playoffs. Quinn Hughes, as a rookie in the NHL, has never played in the playoffs. And Brock Besser has never played in the playoffs. So from that standpoint, you worry about how reliant they are on these young players, how much they hinged on Jacob Markstrom in the regular season. But having so much youth and talent, you would expect, especially with this modified tournament that could favor young players, could favor high-speed games, like you got to love that from Vancouver's standpoint that they have so many high-end young players uh, that could step up at any given moment in the playoffs. And just because a guy's never been there before doesn't believe, uh, doesn't mean that they can't, you know, end up being a playoff hero. So yeah, Gaudet definitely checks that box in terms of being a third-line guy that could maybe tilt the entire series. Yeah, and he's a guy that I liken a lot to a Zach Aston Reese, who I mean, you saw powerhouse in college found a way to shift a, a bottom six role where they can play more of a defensive game. And hey, when they get the chance, they can contribute offensively, but it's really not what they're leaned on right now. Right. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm curious to see too, like another guy, uh, like I know he's from what the Minnesota area, the area, uh, Brock Besser. Like yeah. I want to see if he can bounce back in the playoffs because that's this postseason is just another chance for guys to catapult themselves into the spotlight like after his rookie season I thought Brock Besser could have been a 35-40 goal scorer but the past two years have been a little underwhelming he's missed some time because of injury this year he had his lowest shooting percentage but like maybe he could it sounds like he's faster and stronger than ever before and he could really blow up in this series so yeah when you look at the con uh, you know the context of a player's career and you know, how they played in college and where they're from and just different uh, circumstances. The playoffs are an exciting springboard for for any player to play to their strengths, uh, burst onto the scene like never before and be looked at in a completely different light uh, at the end of the day. No, completely agree. And Wild fans don't need to hear from anyone about what their blue line is, but you want to hear your perspective and thoughts on the Vancouver decor and just how they might match up against Minnesota. I think the D is strong enough to, and I know like you could look at Quinn Hughes and say he led all rookies in scoring, but he was minus 10. Like, I mean, the kid had an amazing season. So, and sure, like he was great on the power play, set a Vancouver rookie record for skaters, not just uh, at his position in power play points. I believe he had 25. Um, so you wonder how good Vancouver would be if the power play regresses. Uh, could their defense be up to speed at five on five? I think they can, as long as Alexander Edler is healthy. He provides that back end support uh, on a separate pair. Same with Chris Tanev. Like Tanev was so influential this year. Quinn Hughes was talking about it 
when I talked to him at the All-Star game. He was also talking about it when I talked to him a few weeks ago. I mean, Tanev is in a contract year, uh, got banged up in the final game before the pause, but is a really valuable secondary player and complementary player to Quinn Hughes uh, that will be really uh, vital to their success in the postseason to have a stay-at-home guy you know, that can try to shut down the Parisi line, the Fiala line, if they're playing together, then a loaded top line. So I think Vancouver's defense is a little underrated and would be up to speed. They also added Tyler Myers in the offseason, and he's a big body, six foot eight. So, I mean, Tyler Myers uh, gives them a chance on the blue line as well to contain Minnesota. And even if their offense uh, continues how well they were playing before the pause, they could contain them in certain enough situations to still win the series. Definitely. And my co-host, he's actually a, a big fan. And like you said, these, these guys as being underrated likes Adler and Stetcher a lot too, as being able to play the right game for the playoff brand. Yeah. Stetcher is a decent defenseman for sure. Um, Adler has been around for a long time. Adler played for the Canucks in the 2011 cup final run. I mean, that seems like ages ago, but Alexander Edler is a huge part. Like Vancouver is such a young core, maybe one of the best young cores in the league up there with the New York Rangers, the Colorado avalanche. They're really right up there. They're going to be a really fun team to watch for a long time, but it's important to have those key, like they don't have, you know, the Sedins anymore. They don't have Ryan Kessler anymore from those teams. They have, Alexander Edler and it's important to look back at guys like that and have someone like that in the locker room that can help guide the young guys along you know and uh, make a difference from a mentality standpoint and things like that so Edler is a really important player even though he's not you know for so many years that guy was playing on power play one and was a productive player when healthy but it's almost like he's taken on even greater importance now that he's in secondary role scoring wise but he's kind of like a mentor to a lot of these young players around him. Yeah. Some of the older guys can't make that transition and you're right. He's, he's stepped into it very well. Um, you know, last question here about Vancouver and it's honestly yeah. not as much about the series, but he really wants to know with just everything that happened recently with the unveiling of the Kraken, starting to think mm-hmm. about what's going to happen here in a little over a year, which goalie does Vancouver protect? Yeah, so Vancouver has uh, Markstrom, who's a UFA after this season. Uh, You'd think that they're going to want to bring him back. I mean, I know he's been playing over his head compared to the rest of his career, but I I was even listening to him the other day. The guy's extremely humble, extremely confident. Um, He's not worried about playing in the playoffs for the first time. He was with the Panthers, I think, in the past. Uh, when he was a backup years ago and didn't get to play in the playoffs the one time that they were in it while he was there. So he's been kind of uh, really excited for this for a long time. Um, so we'll see what note that the season ends on for Markstrom. You know, do they win a round or two and then bring him back? Or does he falter in the playoffs and maybe his value uh, goes down and they don't re-sign him? But, yeah, Thatcher Demko has shown some uh, – some promise, I think for sure. He's kind of a late bloomer. That name has been around for a while, but only last year and this year did he get any significant playing time. So, yeah, I think it remains to be seen which one they would protect and stuff like that. But 
we're still a ways away. A lot can change in one year. I mean, Jacob Markstrom could be totally off the radar come next season. We, we don't know sure. that, you know. That's fair. And I know we're running up close to time here, and I am going to get your series prediction, Pete, but do you have a couple sure. more minutes just to talk a couple of fantasy hockey questions for the people? Yeah, no doubt. Awesome. So first, let, let's hear it. What's the prediction for the series on your end? <laughs> yeah, so I have the uh, I have the Vancouver Canucks winning the series. I think it's going to be a tight one. I think that um, definitely Vancouver has a chance to uh, you know put together a nice playoff run here if they um, you know if they're able the young guys are able to step up on the big stage and uh, you know come through produce uh, at the level that they were in the regular season with a top five power play in the league. But again, Minnesota could neutralize the power play. If Minnesota makes it more of a, you know, an even strength game, they'll have a great chance. And one thing about Minnesota that was really eye-opening, like, again, you don't view them as having anywhere close to the best center depth in the league, far from it. But their power play was tied with the Florida Panthers for 10th in the league. And their goals per game, I think, was 12th. And Vancouver's was 9th. So it's really closer, more than meets the eye uh, and more than your perception of one offense versus another. The Wild may only have one fantasy-relevant line, uh, maybe one and a half, but they certainly have the scoring depth in the bottom of the lineup. Players like Zuccarello, players like Alex Galchenyuk um, have a chance to come through uh, in this big opportunity. So, yeah, I got the Canucks in five games. That's my prediction. And we were kind of joking about it on our NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast because myself, Rob Reese, and Dave Satriano all picked the Canucks. And sometimes when you're too high on one team, especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, the other team ends up winning. So, And our poll on the <laughs> site was about 77% to 23% in favor of Vancouver. So in light of all that, if you're looking at like, you know, I know a lot of people look at uh, the underdog and stuff like that, like Minnesota and their defense, um, their strong, well-rounded defense with Suter, who's still producing near the top of the league in uh, some key categories, like points among defensemen, power play points among defensemen, like, the Wild have those key core guys, also Fiala, who's a breakout star, and they could catch Vancouver by surprise very easily. I think that's a little too lopsided, that sure. poll, 77% to 23. It should be probably more like 60-40 in favor of Vancouver, in my opinion. Nope, and that's right where I'm at, too, and uh, we're right on the same page with the prediction, too. I think Vancouver in five, but it's a close one that could go either way. Transitions pretty well then into my first fantasy hockey question. This is such a close series, and I'd argue you know, one of the top two or three as far as you know, not knowing which way it'll go. Are right. you targeting any players from either team in your draft, just not knowing which one's going to advance? Well, I think definitely because of um, you know some of the timeshare situations. So there are 24 teams, and I think about 12 of them have a goalie debate. And then two more of them, like Dallas and uh, Dallas and Boston, have a 1A and a 1B goalie. Like, so there's so much goalie uncertainty with all the twists and turns ahead. It's definitely valuable to have a clear number one starter. So I would say Jacob Markstrom definitely takes on some added value, just knowing that you're going to get the game volume. You know, you're going to get 
three to five games from him in the first round, barring injury. If they move on, he's going to keep playing as their number one. I really believe that barring injury, I don't think Demko is going to get much work in the playoffs. Uh, maybe if Markstrom is pulled on a, on a given day, but they're one of the few teams that has a solidified number one goalie. So I do like the appeal of Jacob Markstrom in a fantasy pool. Obviously you can't go near Minnesota's goaltending unless it's maybe a team <laughs> goalie, kind of like team defenses right. and uh, <laughs> fantasy football. But um, cause again, I like them collectively. I just don't trust anyone individually from the, from the wild for fantasy purposes but uh, yeah I'm, I'm targeting Kevin Fiala in late rounds I think I still think he's underrated uh, in the grand scheme of things most people unless they play fantasy religiously don't really realize how far along he came and how he flipped the narrative of that trade I mean last year that trade you know may have led to a, a firing meanwhile in hindsight it you know certainly has paid dividends Brandlin's not really doing anything for the Predators and he has broken out. He's still only 23 years old, uh, Fiala, I believe. So, yeah, he's been a great story. I'm targeting him in late rounds. I love Pedersen. I love Brock Besser is the one guy from this series. Like, if I was going to take one guy um, and you know you'll be able to get at him in a moderate spot or in a late round spot in a fantasy pool, Brock Besser is the guy that I'm making sure, like, say your fantasy roster allows you to have six or seven forwards and you could get Besser as your sixth or seventh forward. I mean, that's one of the best late-round gems who could bust out. And if Vancouver wins, uh, you know, wins two rounds and ends up playing, you know, 15 games or something like that, like Brock Besser at his ceiling, at his height, could score nine or ten goals in, in that span. Like, I wouldn't put it past him. So I'm really high on Brock Besser to turn it around, whether he's playing on the first line with Pedersen or the second line with Bo Horvat. Oh, perfect. And that kind of transitions well into the next question. Just, you know, along someone like Besser there, the one, two, three players that you think are kind of being disrespected in drafts and going later than they should compared to some of the people that you've been doing your mock drafts with or mm -hmm. co-conspirators there on the podcast as well. Well, yeah, we did, we did our second mock draft in the most recent episode of NHL Fantasy on Ice, which is some good debate. I think uh, for sure there are a couple of teams in this in this most recent mock that were undervalued. Toronto Maple Leafs would not be surprised if they finally got over the hump. And I'm not just saying it because they're playing at their home arena. I don't know how much of an impact, if anything, that's going to have on it, on their potential to finally beat the Boston Bruins if they get to that point. Of course, their first challenge is the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are built for the playoffs. So. Their offense is already throwing a new wrinkle with Tavares, Marner, and Matthews on the same line in training camp. I don't love that. I'd rather have more depth, but it's interesting to see that they're willing to do anything that it takes to get by the Blue Jackets and win their first playoff series since 2004. So, yeah, Toronto has a lot of offensive firepower. I've loved Freddie Anderson for years. They're getting Jake Muzzin back on defense. They have Tyson Barry and Morgan Riley. So all those guys can contribute offensively. Maple Leafs definitely undervalued from their top players. I got Matthews at 15 to guys in the middle and even late like William Nylander. So that's one team. Two others that I think are being overlooked. The Winnipeg Jets, I think, could match up with any team they play. And they have one of the deepest forward groups for sure. Yeah. Right up there with Vancouver, two really strong lines, both top 10 first line, top 10 second line in the league for sure. 
and then um, the Florida Panthers as well. I got I stacked uh, Barkov and Huberdo in this draft. I got Huberdo at 58 overall and Barkov at 63. If wow. anyone's been paying attention to the league leaders in scoring over the past two <laughs> years, Huberdo and Barkov are both up there. And I would not say that Florida has reached its full potential in any regard, except maybe on the power play. They've been an elite power play for a couple of years running now. But yeah, you can get guys in their contract year, like Mike Hoffman and um, Evgeny Dadanov. You could get Sergei Bobrovsky, who, like I said, it's hard to find a clear number one goalie, especially with his playoff success last year. But people are so down on Bobrovsky, they think the Islanders have better goaltending than Florida, which might be the case, but he's he's a tipping point in the series. If he bounces back, Bobrovsky could get you a round or two of number one goalie potential uh, for a fantasy pool that doesn't grow on trees. You know, there are a lot of tandems out there. So yeah, Bobrovsky for sure. I like, I like those Winnipeg guys, uh, how people are still undervaluing them. And then the Maple Leafs, there's just so much negativity towards them because they never seem to get it done in the playoffs, but sometimes that changes and then it changes in a, in a big way. If the Maple Leafs beat the Blue Jackets, that could catapult them and give them that extra motivation to finally get over the hump if they play the Bruins. And then all of a sudden you're looking at them coming out of the Eastern Conference. So just a couple of teams there uh, to not take like lightly in your fantasy draft based oh, on any number awesome. of factors. Well, and so flip side, who do we need to pump the brakes on? Um, you always have your concerns with some of these teams like Tampa Bay. Those guys are always ranked high. I do think they could – they're definitely the favorite to come out of the East. I like Tampa Bay a little bit more than Boston. The Boston guys, though, like you you always look at those guys being in the top 10, their top forwards, Pasternak, who's had some, uh, you know, uncertainty here in training camp. I know he's, start, he's uh, back on the ice now, which is great to see. But Pasternak, number five in the mock draft, Marshan, number seven, and Bergeron, number 11. That team does not have a ton of scoring depth. I think that uh, that could hurt them. Tuka Rask had an injury a couple of weeks ago. I think he broke his finger. So they're expecting maybe more of a timeshare with him and Halak as opposed to Rask being the workhorse, which I think could also work against them. So just be cautious with Boston. Sure, they're equipped to get back to the cup final, but I just don't know that it's going to happen this year. Tampa Bay is going to have serious motivation against them. Toronto, same, same deal. You know, do you run into uh, another team maybe in the first round, like the New York Rangers, who could provide an upset bid? So there's a lot working against Boston right now. And, you know, I'm not trying to be a downer on them because I love that team. I mentioned I picked them uh, to win it all last year. and I came very close to that prediction being correct. But, um, yeah, Boston is one team that concerns me. And I wouldn't, like, originally – Pasternak was in the conversation for the number one overall pick, but I think I would take McKinnon, McDavid, Drysaddle over Pasternak at the top, and then some of the some of the other guys lower down. Um, you know, again, I have concerns about their depth. I, I really wouldn't invest in anyone outside of their top dogs, uh, and I would wait for those guys to fall. Pasternak, Krug, um, Tuukka Rask, like those are not the guys that I feel like I would reach for right now. For because of these concerns for the team. No, that's fair. And I'm with you 100%. McKinnon's my number one overall. And I honestly, nice. a, a lot of people disagree, but I, I'm more inclined to take Crosby and Malkin than McDavid and 
price idol, but I That's understand fair. it's kind of hard to pass on the shiny toy. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is with McDavid and Dreisaitl, I mean, those guys, for anyone who's been watching the past two years, I mean, those guys are capable of scoring like a point and a half to two points a game in wins or in losses. I, ex I fully expect them to beat the Blackhawks. I think it might go four or five games if Corey Crawford plays, but I mean, I'd be pretty shocked if Edmonton lost that series. Therefore, you're, you're guaranteeing yourself between seven and 12 games for the Edmonton Oilers where those two guys can put, and that's, that's not even to say that they're going to win in the second round, which they very well could if they hit their peak. So let's yeah. say a team's, you always look at a ceiling, but also look at a floor of a team. Edmonton's floor is getting seven to 10, seven to 12 games of Leon Dreisel or Connor McDavid, or even deeper down the line, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who plays a lot with both of them in all situations. So you're guaranteeing those games. I mean, double the number 12 and you got 24 Do you know, one and a half. I mean, you're getting significant point production in terms of a floor from those two players. I'd be oh, yeah. really I, surprised if the, I'd really be really surprised if those guys didn't both score a point per game or better in the playoffs, regardless if they're first round exit, uh, second round exit or something further than that. That's why McDavid and dry saddle, uh, deserve to be near the top of a fantasy pool draft. Yeah, and I, I agree completely with that floor of 7 to 12 games. You know, I kind of see that being the same case for Pittsburgh. The difference is, you know, if we if we know it's exact same amount of games, I completely agree. McDavid and Dreisaitl are going to put up a couple more. But Pittsburgh is a team that's far better poised to go deep and go beyond that first round of the actual playoff right. than a team like Edmonton is, especially with them. I mean, you already commented on it. You look at the top four that are playing that round robin for the West, that's a bloodbath. So you know, that's where I flip it. But, I mean, we're splitting hairs here. All four will be top ten picks. Yeah, and a lot of people, I mean, especially people up in Minnesota, know what the Penguins did to get um, Jason Zucker. So they got him before the trade deadline. They have Jake Gensel back healthy, who has – I think he's got 43 points in 41 career playoff games and is tied with Mark Scheifele for the most goals per game in the postseason among active players. So at the top is not Ovechkin and Crosby and players like that, Stamkos. It's Mark Scheifele and Jake Gensel. So Gensel <laughs> is among the best uh, playoff performers in recent memory, and he's coming back to play on a line with Crosby. And then the other line has Malkin and Rust and probably Zucker. So, yeah. And Shiri is back as well. When the Penguins won, I think both of those years, they had the top line was Gensel, Crosby, and Sheary. So that means they have uh, players like Patrick Marlowe and Patrick Hornquist on their third line. So talk about a ridiculous lineup. So, yeah, definitely um, Pittsburgh should beat Montreal. That would be a shocker if they didn't. And uh, they would be able to match up against anybody that they played in the second round, whether it's Washington, Philly. I mean, you'd be hard it would be hard to imagine them losing a series to, uh, to Philly if they played them ultimately. So, and they would pose a threat against anybody. So yeah, to say that those guys are a little bit safer to go further is definitely valid, talking about the Pittsburgh guys. Awesome. Well, before I do let you go here, Pete, I want to give you a chance to you know, pump what you got going on. Anything that you want to plug for the great listeners of the Soda Pod that you have coming up here? 
Yeah, so we're if you play DFS, we're going to be previewing that in our next episode of Fantasy on Ice. But definitely encourage everybody to go back and hear our thoughts on not only the Wild series. Like I know our producer is going against the grain and picking the Wild to win the first round. He was the only one of the four of us to do that. So you could hear his reasoning. He's a big fan of Billy Garen. He's a big fan of Fiala, <laughs> all that type of stuff. But yeah, it's uh, it's been fun. I mean, we've been talking about for the past few months, these matchups and doing playoff pool rankings, previews, got to listen to some of these episodes before your draft. Definitely check out our conference previews. We had some uh, betting analysts on one from the West coast, one from the East coast uh, to kind of put you in the right direction with some of the odds and stuff for series winners, for cup winners. We have our picks coming uh, in our next episode, our finalized picks. Um, of course, when you look at fantasy drafts and wagering, I would wait until the last minute just because of all the injury uncertainty, uh, some of the in- uncertainty with the virus and stuff like that. So wait until, uh, you know, be patient and wait to make your final picks until uh, as close as possible to this weekend's game. So and uh, definitely encourage everybody uh, to hit me up and my colleagues up from the fantasy department um, on Twitter with any questions for your playoff pools. Uh, if you're thinking about, you know, um, investing in one team over another, uh, you know, again, our opinions are always for fun and entertainment and to, uh, you know, kind of use it as a basis for your own decision-making. That's how we treat it here. So, uh, but a lot of people talk to us, hear our input and say, oh, I was thinking along the same lines or that makes me feel better about my pick uh, or my investment. So it's, um, you know, it's a fun thing to be a part of as hockey starts to to heat up again and the games start on Saturday and Sunday. So never hesitate to hit me up at NHL Jensen on Twitter or Instagram and uh, we'll try to point you in the right direction here. It's an unpredictable playoff, but it's a fun thing to be a part of. And of course, it, you know, more times than not, we uh, we're on the right track here. So it's a, uh, it, we're, we're always open to people uh, sending us their questions. Awesome. Well, we are out of time and I thank you for yours. You're welcome back on the soda pod anytime, my friend, you know, maybe even coming up in this off season here to get everyone excited and pumped up for what Kirill Kaprizov is going to put up next year. Yeah, definitely. We had to put players like Kaprizov and Ilya Sorokin from the Islanders on hold a little bit because they're ineligible for the qualifiers and the postseason, unfortunately. But uh, those are going to be huge talking points. And I I have spoken and will continue to speak very highly on both of those players uh, for keeper leagues and uh, even just regular drafts next year. So excited to see both of those guys coming over from Russia and uh, excited to be on with you here today. Thanks for having me. No, thanks again for joining us, Pete. Happy playoffs. Yeah, happy playoffs, and uh, best of luck to the Wild, and hope everybody's staying safe out there, and um, looking forward to, you know, seeing some games, some exhibition games uh, this week, and then the real deal coming up this weekend. Well, we appreciate it. Some Enforcer Base podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. And now Semenko out in front of the goal, pounding away at Joe Kocher, who's down on the ice, holding the back of his head. Um, you know, actually, what, what really surprised me, especially with Twitter being like Leaf Nation, was Grimson over Colton Orr. 
That actually, that voting really surprised me. I didn't think that would happen. Don't forget to catch the Fourth Line Voice Podcast wherever you find your podcast presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Mark Bergevin. And everybody goes on and on with the whole PK thing and blah, oh, and he hated him because he doesn't like fun and blah, blah, blah. I have heard from a few people that Mark Bergevin's hilarious. No, this guy was a riot. You know, he would uh, have to be at the bar and he's like, oh, I just had a penis colada. And the girls would like give a double take and be like, what? He's like, yeah, I had the penis colada. You know, I, it's not bad. You know, this Enforcer-based podcasting wherever you get podcasts from. Joining the show, Pete. That was awesome. I know, you know, Pete and State of Hoppy have been, like the State of Hoppy said, proud of us featuring that interview. They've been going back and forth for a while, and Pete's been super awesome in uh, supporting the Soda Pod and uh, engaging in conversations with us. Uh, it was the first of hopefully many appearances of his on the Soda Pod. You can follow myself on Twitter at VI Sports Talk, and of course, the show at the Soda Pod. Uh, the best thing you do today is rate and review the network and the shows you like. Even if the review is ridiculous, uh, it helps us stay on top of the sport. Sports charts, um, what, what should we ask them this week? Your favorite lake, whether in the state of Minnesota, British Columbia, wherever the hell you're listening. Favorite lake, we want to see that on your review. Five stars in your favorite lake. We'll hold you to it. Shit, we're going to start doing contests, I think, here, or, or giveaways, and we'll incorporate... Absolutely. And we'll incorporate, you know, the, the comments. Um, we'll, we'll figure something out. But basically, comment moving forward give us a five-star review and uh maybe you'll be putting a draw to win something special we'll get something cooking um reminder our poll questions beer one and nhl one every week at the soda pod write-ins are always encouraged and speaking of we'll dive right into the nhl poll question here as uh we got uh this segment right here to get into our nhl poll question talk a little bit about the minnesota wild before we bring on sporty with Corey and richie the arizona wild or the arizona wild the arizona coyotes podcast here you got the arizona Bonaparte, right, though? That's uh, new. On the Hockey Pod. Yeah, there you go. I mean, little, little things, little baby steps, right? Uh, the Arizona Coyotes podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network and good friends of myself. Uh, we asked you this week at the Soda Pod, what NHL division will feature this year's Stanley Cup winner? Obviously, Atlantic, Metropolitan, Central, and Pacific. Right now, the Central leads at 40%, Pacific at 36 and the Atlantic and Metropolitan are tied at 12 uh, State of Hockey, at State of Hockey number one, our friend Josh. Um, he says, I'd say the Central, I really think the Avs are going to go deep, and St. Louis seems focused from all accounts. Also, I think it's funny that all the Vancouver fans are writing off the Wild as an easy win. Um, I was a little cheeky saying that, obviously, the Central, because Minnesota. Soda. Um, you were equally as cheeky saying I've been in five and I agree with this. <laughs> um, tip of the iceberg yep. chimed in saying, you know, it's going to be the pens. Um, and Pete Jensen chimed in as well saying he voted Pacific because of Vegas. Um, but the division with the best chance is probably the central with Colorado, St. Louis and Dallas. Uh, realistically, state of hoppy. I think the, the St. Louis blues are probably the favorite to win the Stanley cup this year. Um, outside of the Boston Bruins. Am I offside there? I mean, you're not offside saying it. I don't necessarily agree, but like, I, I can't ref like dispute that at all. I personally just think, I mean, to the point that Pete Jensen made, 
just the depth of the Central. Not only do they have every team in the play-ins slash so playoffs. True. No, that's true. Like no other division has that. They've got three that are already through to the round robin. And to be honest, those three are stacked. And in my mind, looking long-term, I don't even – Blues might be my number three out of that bunch, personally. Mm. But it's, it's definitely splitting hairs. And we'll get into later, hopefully, if we've got time here, talking about how we both break down the round robins and where each team is going to stack up coming out of that and perhaps another beer bet. But Well, you um, know what? If we don't have time in this segment, we'll do it with Corey and Richie because I don't think, you know, they're down to talk for a while and we got a, we got a good chunk of the show with them, I'm sure. Uh, love it. You know, Devin Snow and Craig can only join us for a little bit later in the show, so I'm sure uh, Corey and Richie, upon uh, me just you know talking about how the Preds are going to kick their ass in the first round, I'm sure they won't mind uh, getting some beer bets down. Um, but yeah, so uh, this uh, both of our poll questions are going to roll out until Sunday. We'll continue to monitor monitor them until uh, well we record our Sunday episode that will drop Monday. But yeah, we got a few more minutes here before we bring on. Uh, Richie Flores and Corey Crenshaw. I just want to give a shout out to my buddy Kyle Steven, who just uh, popped by the uh, the Facebook Live. How's it going, Kyle? Thanks for dropping by the Soda Pod. Um, yeah, let's talk about the Wild and Avs exhibition game. Prior to jumping on here, this state of hopping right in the beginning of uh, this recording, I think everyone was being a little bit too critical on every team in this exhibition slash preseason COVID Cup. Everyone had rust to shake off, but overall, and I, you know, you and I both agree that. The hockey was kind of better than we expected. Before we dive into this series uh, for the next five or uh, five, five to seven minutes, what were your thoughts? You know, o- overall, I mean, you and I both, like I said, we, we agreed that the hockey was good. But just what were some of your other thoughts upon watching hockey for the first time in months uh, today? First off, just beyond happy. Yeah. Um, but for me, again, I mentioned it already, but just the fact that there weren't major injuries, at least in the games that I watched, was huge. This is a tune-up game. I'm not putting too much stock into anything that any team did. But, you know, looking at the Wild specifically, there's a lot of things you need to like. I understand there's things you're going to nitpick, and there's definitely things that you can say went poorly. But yeah. by and large, you know, especially, the biggest thing for me is holding a team like the Colorado Avalanche to three goals that were – in my opinion, pretty good goals. Like those were not the fault of Staylock in my mind. You know, the first one, let's be real. Hunt kind of butchered that. He should have had that guy going to the net. Second one, let's be even more real. Hunt had no chance stopping McKinnon there. Yeah. And, you know, thank God his ankles are intact. You know, <laughs> I, I just think it's a good sign that both goalies at least looked sturdy. And, you know, from what you can tell, as much as you can from an exhibition game, they look confident. And that's all you need going into this. As long as they're comfortable and confident going into that game one on Sunday night, I think we're at least in a spot where there's no panic right now. Well, that, that you, you said it right there, man. And it's such a good introduction into this conversation because the goaltending looks steady and the defense and penalty kill looked, you know, for the most part, pretty good. I know Hunt and Susie were kind of the only two, you know, weekends on defense. Well, they're the two, you know, worst defensemen on, on the, the back end. So if they're going to show rust at any time during this, now is the time. Um, I'm sure Everson <laughs> ripped them after and they're, uh, they're watching video as we probably speak. Um, overall, like you said, I think it was a great showing. 
man, the, the I said this on a past episode and I actually said it on uh, the 10,000 takes podcast that I was on uh, just the other night there, which that's a fucking hoot. They just dropped it. Go check it out after this live stream. Um, I think that this was a great test for the wild because the abs are like the Canucks on steroids. They're just as fast or faster. They have just as much skill or more and their defense core is more talented than the Vancouver Canucks, but it's not as well. It's not a huge, you know, rough defense. Um, and they have, Quinn Hughes 2.0 in Kale McCarr Um, and equally, you know, just as good goaltending in maybe lagging a little bit compared to Marsham, but you're splitting hairs there. So I think it was a good test and the speed, like you mentioned, didn't affect the wild at all other than, you know, the likes of McKinnon burning, you know, a hunt one-on-one, for example. Um, Players who didn't miss a beat in my mind were Fiala Spurgeon and Stahl. Uh, Dumba's uh, Dumba's goal looked great as well. A great shot off the one-timer. I mentioned the penalty kill. They went four for five, so that's good. And at the end of the first period, I don't know if you noticed this, Dumba and Greenway had some good passing back and forth and some good reads overall. I know, you know, Greenway was a little rusty right off the hop, but I thought he played better as the game went. Uh, and the wild led in shots. You hear that, Canucks followers? The wild led in shots against the Colorado Avalanche, 34-29. And that's, you know, all season, the wild have not, have pretty much gone toe-to-toe in the shot department, at least, even if they're not prime chances, State of Hobby, with, with every elite team or good team in the league. I remember taking a note of that this season. Yeah, and it's one of those things, too, though, that can kind of work both ways. You know, like, Tej said when we went on the Larsh cast, which if anyone hasn't listened to that, you should. It was pretty entertaining on both sides. But, you know, the more shots Markstrom gets, like the more in sync he's going to get, that doesn't factor necessarily, like the quality of shots. So I'd rather have better shots than a ton of shots for the sake of stats. But at the end of the day, like you said, it's just good to see the team getting pucks on the net. Now it's just a matter of refining it as they move forward because, like we said, this is tune-up. I have saw plenty of people online that were getting upset about certain players. You know, one example is Jordan Greenway saying that he was you know, lazy and sluggish. Well, guess what? First game that he's actually played in four months, he's going to be just fine. I didn't think he was that bad either. Like I said, slow start, but I didn't think he was sluggish by, by any stretch of the imagination. I saw it multiple times. I mean, that, that's interesting. Um, the only kind of bad and ugly things that, that I saw was, I mean, the short side goal that McKinnon, you know, like McKinnon burned Hunt and, and scored on Stalock's short side. I mean, if, if I want to be picky, I could say like, I don't know. From what I watched, what I saw, the way he challenged it, sure, he probably could have had it. But again, you're going up against Nathan McKinnon, one of the best and fastest uh, goal scorers and players in the league. I'm not going to rag on Stalock, but that one just, I was like, okay, well, like if that's ha- if that's like a Pedersen or if that's a Toffoli, you you really want him to get that shot or get that uh, that save in that game against the Vancouver Canucks. I already mentioned Susie. I just think he went down too much and he was soft. He just has to play a little harder in front of the net um, and the power play. You, you mean you're the one who brought this in our arguments against, you know, comparing the Wild and the Canucks, man, is that the, the Wild's power play is not that great, especially compared to the Canucks. Three shots on eight attempts. That's not good. No, not at all. Not at all. 
Um, that is not good at all. Um, well, we're running out of time in this segment. I have some kind of hockey and general NHL stuff. I was hoping to bring in this episode. Um, maybe again, if we have time with uh, Corey and Richie, um, they're always down to talk about uh, all things hockey. We can maybe run down some things with them. because we're going to bring them on momentarily. Um, quickly, just checking the uh, Facebook live here, Kyle McLaren, former San Jose shark and Boston brew. And he's also the co-host of the stick hungry podcast here on the hockey podcast network. He says, how far do we think state of hoppy that the Minnesota wild can go in, in this playoffs? And he says, what up guys? Cheers. While I, uh, while I get things going here with Richie Flores and Corey Crenshaw, why don't you uh, answer Kyle's question here? Cheers. Um, I mean, for me, I think that they absolutely can go to the next round. I don't see it being realistic to get any further than that. That said, if we get, matched up somehow with the St. Louis Blues and don't have to play Jake Allen. Who knows what can happen for the Wild? Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. All right. Um, it gives me great pleasure to bring in Richie Flores, uh, one half of Sporty with Corey and Richie Flores, the Arizona Coyotes podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Richie also works for uh, – what do you got there? What do you got there, Richie? You got a beer. Nice. You brought a beer. Very, very impressed there, Richie. Richie also works for Fox Sports Radio in Arizona. How's it going, my man? You got a beer on the on the chat. You're like, oh, I don't know if I have a beer. This is the soda pod, man. We were ragging you. You have to bring a beer on the soda pod. I know. I I wanted to. Um, I didn't have any left. I had a great local brewery here. It's called State Forty Eight, and they have a yep. Imperial. Um, stout that is amazing. It's called Ribbon of Darkness, and I had a six pack of that, but I, I finished it before I can come on your guys' show. So luckily, what I have remaining, uh, my roommate bought this a while ago. This is a New Belgium 1985 IPA. I don't like IPAs, but this was the only thing in my fridge, so I figured I'd open it for you guys. Um, I'm on the while I'm on the pod here, and I'll uh, I'll let you guys know if I like it or not. Cheers. Cheers, Richie. Um, oh, hey, also respect have... Richie. And I actually just went down this past winter, came and saw the Coyotes play because I, I haven't been shy about it. I'm a Penguins fan, and I love Phil Kessel from his days, not just with the Penguins, but with the Gophers. So we had to come down when the Penguins mm -hmm. played the Coyotes, went to State 48 in multiple yeah. locations. I loved the one in Phoenix, but the one that's by the rink there, I actually, like, the beer wasn't very good. Like, their tap lines were just flat or something. Maybe I just was there at the wrong time, but loved the other location. Definitely good beer. Downtown Phoenix location is, is pretty legit. I love them both. They have like five locations now. So if you're ever right. in Phoenix, anybody, or state of hoppy when you come back next year, hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, they're, they're one of my favorite local breweries out there. I know you probably, as you know, state of hoppy, the Arizona brewery scene is actually really great down here. Oh, There's a lot of really yeah. good ones. No, and, and the one that I would recommend the most if you haven't gone would be Ren House. That was the best one that I had the whole time I was there. Which I have never stuff. been. Look at that. Right off the bat, we got some beer talk. Um, we're also joined with uh, the other co-host, the, the better half, some may say, of the Sporty, and Corey, Sporty of Corey and Richie crew, uh, Corey Crenshaw. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. We had a slight uh, family car issue, which is why I'm... It, you notice I have drenched hair right now. I literally hopped out of the shower, got ready to be on this pod. So, um, if I'm uh, if I look a little bit messy, it's probably because I literally 
got home maybe like 20 minutes ago. So sorry about that, everyone. It's all, it's all good. I was telling the state of Hoppy, it's 97 Fahrenheit right now with humidity, and I am literally soaking wet and dripping sweat by the second, uh, every second here of the recording. So, um, yeah. I'm just I so proud of did the math beforehand. Yeah, you know, I got the converter actually right up in front of me. It's uh, it's 33 Celsius, by the way, for all those Canadians. Um, so, so you two, I wanted to bring you on. Actually, it was the state of Hoppy who suggested last week that we bring you guys on because, well, A, I got a bet with you guys that we got to run down. B, both of you like, uh, well, like your sodas. And, uh, well, and, and C, we have some awesome uh, NHL stuff to run down as well. And we also got the Rippin' Biscuits boys uh, coming in later in the show. But uh, we wanted to bring you, you two on first just to talk, uh, talk a little bit about, well, now that hockey's back, the Arizona Coyotes and uh, these qualifying rounds and playoffs. But first, let's start with uh, your, both of your guys' thoughts on the upcoming series. Um, I know we've talked a little bit about it on the After Hours, and you've talked about it in your show, respectively. But uh, realistically, you know, let's take all the homerism, let's take all the bias out of it. Do you guys really think you have a chance against number 35, bro? Absolutely. Because number one, you're speaking of Pecorine. Um, he's not good anymore, Isha. State of Hoppy. He's not good. He's not the. He's not. He's not the same. He's not the same Pecorine that was in the 2012 playoffs against the Coyotes and basically kept the Predators afloat in that series. And I don't think he's going to start in Game One either, right? I'm assuming Isha nope. Saros is oh, going to be their go-to number 100%. one goalie in this series. Um, and UC Soros uh, got beat by the Coyotes earlier this year, 5-2, uh, to two, I think, at Gila River Arena. So it depends on who they – like what – like Pecorino's numbers against the Coyotes are actually really good, but UC Soros probably going to get to start game one. Uh, so if Pecorino does get into this series, and I'm assuming he will at some point with that back-to-back in the middle, um, he's not going to be in for a good time against the Coyotes this series. And neither are the Predators either, I have a feeling. Well, what yeah, are your thoughts, I'm Corey? Because we, sure. we, not... we know the goaltending is a mismatch here. I mean, that, that's kind of common knowledge. I was quoting Craig, by the way, for everyone uh, listening on the soda pod. <laughs> oh, believe me, I remember. I remember, so I will never forget. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Um, I think it's honestly pretty ridiculous the fact that everyone is constantly thinking that the Coyotes are these massive underdogs in this because – it it's been pretty even throughout the season and then you also have to figure out the fact that yes there may be some differences in play but these teams are the complete opposite of each other so Nashville started out lousy and then hit a hot streak towards the end and then the Coyotes did the complete opposite both of these teams are extremely streaky teams as I've said before so the fact that people think that Nashville is going to automatically win this the fact that they throw out that, you know, this center depth is going to be the, the holy grail of them and the fact that they have um, such great defensemen. Defense is going to be one of the most brutal things from every team that we see. So even if you do have a stellar defense, I don't think that's going to be your holy grail on winning everything. And I, I think people are underestimating a lot of uh, offensive power that the Coyotes have that haven't either been healthy or haven't felt comfortable enough and have been having like mental issues in order enough to score. And if they come in as strong as they are able to play and have played before, then they will be an offensive powerhouse that no one is actually thinking about. 
Well, I think you said it there. It's, we're just not used, you know, those outside the market, we're just not used to seeing all those pieces come together at once. We're, you two who are plugged into the, plugged into the covering the, the team and, and the franchise, well, you know all, of all these pieces. You know, some, some of them you guys speak to um, personally, respectively. Whereas like us on the outside, we just kind of look at Nashville and go, okay, well, this is a deep team offensively didn't perform this year. But I guess, you know, from our end, we don't really know about all the talent and how it clicks offensively with, uh, with Phoenix. Because again, like we know the goaltending is good and we know that, you know, defensively, under Talkit, it's it's been solid. I mean, he that that's his bread and butter. But um, in regards to some of these players that we may not be giving enough credit to, or even those you know working together, give give us some maybe line combinations or, or a couple scenarios that you think or foresee uh, the Arizona Coyotes um, thriving. Yeah, first of all, um, I saw ES or no, excuse me, Sportsnet. They put out their predictions for this series, and I think they had something like eighteen or nineteen. Um, experts pick the the series and no no shit 14 of them pick the predators so in case you're wondering if there's any front runnership going on just because it's a what is it a, a six versus 11 matchup that might be going on there but as far as i spoke like i will give the predators the forward group they have a much more talented group of forwards than the coyotes do i will give them that they're much better up front but the one thing that Corey and i always talk about on our on our show is that if you look at the Coyotes one to four, they are they don't necessarily have that top six eliteness of some other teams around the league. But what they do have is when they are going well, they're getting scoring from all four of their lines. And so there's not really that much of a drop-off that you see from many other teams. So for for example, on the Coyotes, you're seeing like Christian Dvorak, who is kind of your your second and third line center at times this year for the Coyotes, having a career season this year and he is somebody who for a lot of fans around the league you're not going to know who Christian Dvorak is but I love watching him play he's really developing into somebody who is a threat to score goals which was the last thing to come around on his game really at the NHL level because he plays on the penalty kill he's really responsible defensively he's a good 200 foot player but his scoring was starting to come around this season I'm hoping that he continues that here against Nashville. And then you look at a guy like Connor Garland, who's going to play on the top line likely with alongside Taylor Hall. Um, I, I really think he's, he's coming off injury, by the way. He got hurt at the very tail end of the regular season. Mm. He's coming back healthy. He led the Coyotes in goals this year. And that wasn't somebody else that, again, around the league, nobody really knows. He was a late-round draft pick for the Coyotes. He played in the QMJHL. And all of a sudden, he's a 20-plus goal scorer this year. So, in my opinion, those two names are kind of the two, like, you know, not top-notch names that I'm really looking forward to you guys watching more of in this series and really the league as a whole because both of them play games that you'll watch and you'll just fall in love with. Um, Richie, uh, Devin Snow is chiming in here on the live chat, and he said, uh, that's why they're experts, bud. Yeah. Wait yeah. a second. Didn't, um, didn't no, they not. on one of their most recent podcasts think that the game was actually being played in Nashville? So <laughs> yes. don't be talking about anyone being experts, <laughs> bud. Uh, I think State I've of Hoppy called so them out. For that. <laughs> I think, yeah, State of Hoppy was calling them out for that one, though. No? So I would not be going there right now, for sure. <laughs> Um, what about Christian Dvorak? Now I know uh, like Andy Hammond on the on the after hours, and he's uh, one of the co-hosts 
on uh, the Broadway boys covering the New York Rangers on the Hockey Podcast Network. I've followed this kid in junior, so I know how good he can be both offensively and defensively. But if you look at the underlying numbers, this guy's like top 10 in the league, five on five. And the points, I mean, the points are coming. I mean, 18 goals on a team that, let's be honest, you know, you two know better than anybody. This team didn't score a lot of goals. Um, You just mentioned Connor Garland and taking nothing away from number 83. Fucking sick number, by the way. Um, 22 goals, respectively. You know, on a team that you have Phil Kessel, for example, you're hoping that uh, that at least the, the, there's a few players who are abo- who are above that. But regardless, Christian Dvorak, respectable, 18 goals, 38 points, and again, those underlying numbers are amazing. So, uh, just paint the picture of what what uh, Christian Dvorak will offer to this team in the playoffs. Well, I think the the other thing too that you need that everyone needs to realize too about like Christian Dvorak and Connor Garland and all of these players that you wouldn't normally think of that are doing well, they've never had the luxury of being able to sit back and play at the level that they, they are expected to be at because of the fact that um, even when superstars such as Hall and um, Kessel came in, it's, they weren't, Kessel has had his all of, a bunch of his own issues between being injured and then having mental issues after that. And even now they're still talking about whether the fact that he's going to be in good enough shape because of the fact that he um, has a history of really kind of slacking off in that sense. And so like, he's been dealing with all of that and has not been playing at his level. Hall has not looked as good as we have seen him for um, obviously, but like, so none of these players have had that luxury and it's been that that's made pe- made people like, Dvorak and Garland play up to a level that I think they didn't even know that that they could be at and that is what makes them so key is the fact that they have this hungriness in them they have this fight in them that once they hit a stride they do so well and if you can have the superstars like that perform while they are still you know getting hungry for those goals themselves I think that's going to be a great combination and there it's really just some supplementing essentially like the income of the ones that you know make all of like the big goals and the ones that you would normally see no yeah, i mean that, that makes total sense state of hoppy what do you got for them because i know like you said you're a huge kessel fan and uh, you're actually <laughs> well you were citing the sporty and cory ritchie show a few weeks ago you know talking about the conversation you know around his stick and uh, and some other yeah. notes well yeah and that's one thing that i mean paul bussnet brought it up on spitting chicklets like he had to get a new stick because they stopped manufacturing the one he's used for years. That's going to be an adjustment period. Also, I totally understand the concerns, Corey, with like him being in shape and whatnot, but that is a man who is in peak physical form at all times. He has never been in good shape. That's not a concern for him. Um, But the way I look at this whole series, you know, Richie, I saw you argue you know, a little bit back and forth online with uh, what the blue lines look like. I'm not going to say that Phoenix has an equivalent blue line, but I think they're both in that same upper echelon. Like, it's very comparable. I would definitely take Nashville's over what Arizona has, but it's still in the same tier. Same thing with the forward groups. Like, yeah, you've got a lot of awesome names in Nashville, but what have they done the last couple of years? Like, it's not just this year that they've had that lull. They haven't done anything recently of note. You know, I think we've got two good blue lines. We've got two underachieving offense groups. And then we've got a huge discrepancy in that. 
that is where I told Isha there's no way that Nashville is winning this series. Yeah, um, I that yeah, that exactly. You you nailed it. You nailed it. That's pretty much what Corey and I have been saying. And I would I would say this. Corey and I talked about this on our our most recent episode, episode sixty three or sixty four. I'm sorry, where I kind of brought up the point that even though Nashville is better up front and the Coyotes have struggled to score, and you had a lot of underperforming players, Oliver ekman Larson, Phil Kessel, um, I, underperformance from um, Clayton Keller for most of the season, who was very streaky, and Nick Schmaltz was very streaky too. All I'm asking for pretty much all of these players in this series is just give me 5% more production from all of, every single one of these guys, yeah. and that's enough to put them over the edge. So just 5% more production from Phil Kessel, which isn't that crazy. I was looking at the Bovada lines no. um, last week, and the over-under on his points was two and a half for the series. And I think I tweeted this out or maybe put it in the group chat. I was like, I'm taking the over on that, man. I'll, get, I'll, I'll take Phil Kessel over two and a half points in this series, hands down. He actually had his best game of the season, in my opinion, against Nashville very early on in the season where yeah. he had, I believe, a three-point game with a couple of goals. So 5% more production from all these guys who've been underperforming in the season. That's it. Kyrie's winning series. And with a guy like Phil Kessel too, I know he's known as being the shooter because like any goalie will tell you his release is ridiculous. But when he went to Pittsburgh, he totally transitioned his game to being more of a pass first guy. He is the guy that is going to find that right pass. And when you got guys like Dvorak, like Hall, whoever – like, that's going to be huge for him. Like, that that two and a half, I would smash that on Bovada. But looking at Taylor Hall, too, there's two big factors here with him. First off, he's not only in a contract year, but now with the news that we have from the NHL that we have a flat cap for a couple of years, he is all that more focused on proving himself so that he can get those dollars when they're not going to be given out as easily. Like that's Uh-oh. just not uh, going to be uh, easy to come by. Sorry to cut in state of hoppy, but uh, Devin snow, he's, he's, he's done listening to this shit on the live chat. He's actually coming in a little early. He's coming in hot to this conversation. He's saying on the live chat, Taylor hall, hall, hall. That's all you talk about. I mean, he's been commenting up a storm. <laughs> I'm just going to bring him in early. We were going to bring him on after you two, but I'm just going to throw him right into the fire, into this conversation Boy. here. We got yep. De- we got Devin Snow of Hold the Mayo and frontman of the Rippin' Biscuits podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I was just telling everybody, I was just telling the whole crew here, Devin. You know, you were, you guys were supposed to come on after uh, Corey and Richie's segment, but you just you were just sick of all the shit that you were hearing on <laughs> and uh, and sick of commenting. You just had to jump on right now and say what's what. How's it going, pal? It's going great, man. You sent me the fucking link, dude, and I'm and and I saw it. Look. Richie and, and Corey have been literally talking out of their necks for the last 20 minutes. And literally all I heard the whole time was Taylor Hall. That's not true. That's total bullshit. We literally just ran you through the entire lineup and explained to you every single reason what's going on. And I don't think and you understood three words. talking out of our necks, bud, I would not throw that shit. Not I, throw that shit at fucking us. All right, Believe so look, me on that one. Well, look, here's go, the deal. Here we go. It's only gonna look. It's only gonna take three nights, guys. I mean, just, just bear, <laughs> bear with us. Three nights. Talks out of his fucking neck every single time he picks up the fucking yeah. mic. Guys, look. I, I I thought that Richie brought up two good points, uh, which was a um, you guys don't score the puck a lot. Um, we are ferociously relentless 
Um, and, and, and that's the thing, guys. Like, like we haven't seen the Predators play in months, and I'm telling you, they so fresh. It's going to be scary. You know, like, I, I, you know, y'all talking about Pekka Rooney, and, and I said to Craig that Do you Sarn, know the last not, time the Coyotes have been actually all here well? It's been at least three seasons. And so this is – it's not going to be like the, that all of a sudden Nashville is the only person that's healed. Every team is going to have a healed team. I just – I don't know. I guess I'm just and, – and, and it could be biased. I believe that when it comes to Southern teams, whenever you give them like any type of adversity, uh, which the Preds have had it all year long, it's been just up, down, up, down, up, down. You guys can relate. You guys know. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm just saying, if you give them any type of adversity, especially down here in the South, I mean, we coming out with some pizzazz. Pizzazz <laughs> doesn't mean shit on the ice. None. The Coyotes landed on the tarmac at 3 and stayed in two, on the plane until 3 a.m. in St. Louis and beat the fucking Stanley Cup champions. You fucking tell me about adversity. This is all tremendous. On what is it, July 29th? This is great, right? Well, and we can talk about, about what, a team. We can talk about what's good on the ice and what doesn't make sense on the ice. But I'm telling you, come on a second, y'all gonna see, and it's gonna be a rude awakening. You know, it should have been the Blues. It should have been the Blues. That's who I wanted to take out. And if the NHL season would have went as planned, we would have took out the Blues. And I'd be doing this to Tom, not you, right? <laughs> Poor Tom. <laughs> Oh, I don't think Tom would put up a, a fight like Sporty with Corey and Richie, though. That's why we wanted to get this well, going here. I, I knew Corey was – I mean, I want to emphasize that I knew Corey was going to be the one that would step up out of these two. <laughs> Richie's like, what the fuck? That's 100% true, actually. 100% true. Corey's a feistier one of, of the bunch. So, what? I've never been in the hockey playoffs in a network where I could speak and stuff like that. I'm extremely stoked. We got some money on it too, eh, Dev? You chimed in. Uh, we chimed in on your show. I know you hopped in on the pool. Actually, you know, Richie and I had the bet going. Craig only had thirteen dollars, but you and I, respectively, are. Uh... <laughs> I know what he spent that seven on. <laughs> well, please do do tell. Oh, the fucking cigarettes. <laughs> the Paul Malls. <laughs> Disgusting. Well, because he got free coffee. I could tell you his whole financial situation that one day. Oh. On that. On that. 20. Shit, man, we got we got some time running down. <laughs> It, he just heard it. He bought a pack of Paul Malls, <laughs> um, and, 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 and he spent that uh, – and he got a free coffee from Anita down here in New Orleans. Shout and out, Anita. What a goddamn beauty, by the way. She's a tremendous woman. Yeah, I think I, 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 I by accident swept something that shouldn't have been swept in the HTM group, and Anita was riding – like was all up on me for that, just ripping <laughs> me head to toe. <laughs> She's the type of barista that, like, break your legs. Dude. Fuck, no joke, man. Yeah, it's crazy. So uh, what's, what's, brewing, uh, what's brewing down in New Orleans and what's brewing up in Nashville, Devin? Um, I mean, we're just looking forward. Uh, well, you got two things going on. So in New Orleans, just down here in general, the Pelicans play tomorrow. So, you know, we heating up for that. And um, it's kind of a similar situation, if I'm being honest. And, that, and, that's, and I'll go ahead and compare it. The Pelicans have been wanting to get on a big stage forever. Okay, they're finally getting that chance. They're going to play the Utah Jazz. Um, and the Pels got a team where you look at them uh, with the youth and on paper, however you want to do it, they look like they could potentially just make this sporadic run. Um, and I feel the same way about the Preds. Uh, I think everybody in Nashville 
is on the same page with that. Um, I think if you talk to anybody in Nashville, they'd say it's all about confidence, swagger, uh, and stuff like that. The things that Richie said don't matter on the ice. <laughs> hey, um, you, you cut me off when I was on your show last week, and I was trying to explain to you what happens in hockey. So in case you didn't know this, again, you have to outscore the other team. You had to score more goals than the other team. And last time I checked, the Nashville Predators had a minus two goal differential. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not how you fucking win hockey games. If you get outscored in the NHL, you're going to lose every time. So, just, so just letting you know, Coyotes. Look, Richie, go ahead, go, Richie, go, I'm not, go. I'm not denying go anything on. you're saying. I said that the Preds were inconsistent. You got a bunch of forwards that have been paid huge money. That would not play into their potential. None of that matters. Rich, you watched. Did you ever watch wrestling when you were a kid? I watched Stone Cold Steve Austin. And yeah. The Rock. Come on, the Stone Cold, Stone Cold Stunner, the Rock and Sock Connection. Yeah. Right. Well, The Rock used to say, it doesn't matter, Richie. It doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> matter what happened before this. It, it, Richie, look, dude. Philip Forsberg, Matt Duchesne, Craig Smith, all these guys, it, do you think they fucking sitting in that, in that uh, bubble in Edmonton thinking about what happened in October and in November? No way, man. So you're claiming it doesn't matter what happened before this, but your supporting evidence for this is the way the team played before this. No, no, I said, no, 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 no. So I said what, they what, what do you have as supporting evidence of <laughs> why you think they will win now? What, what do you have? And don't give me something right off the fucking bat. That's I'm like, going to say the oh, same thing. Um, the, cent the center depth and defense. This will definitely be the, not goaltending. This will be the, the third time I've said it just in this, what, seven short minutes I've been on the podcast. <laughs> you can have okay? as much fucking swagger as you want, and that's not going to do shit. So what do you want me to just say a different answer? Yeah, one that's no. actually statistically factual in a hockey sense. If you were to go up to Canada and actually tell someone who has played hockey since they were yay tall, and you were to talk about it in a factual sense outside of fucking swagger, this isn't WWE, it's not all scripted, you don't go on the ice and go, oh, I'm the shit. Corey, who's going to watch? First of you all. win off of actual factual play. No, no, no. UN conversations off of that baloney. That's what happens there. What happens on the ice come August, uh, August 2nd, that, that has nothing to do with all this analytic stuff. These guys are playing a fresh season. Anybody would tell you that that has known about hockey statistics and hockey. They would all say that. They would say it's a fresh season. None of that shit matters. And it doesn't. It, it really doesn't. The Predators are coming out hot. And they're coming out hotter than Arizona. I haven't, I've been all over it for the last two weeks. I've been looking all into it. I haven't heard nothing. Well, and how do, you, how, do you, how do you know that? How do you know something that hasn't happened yet? And that's part of the thing that I'm saying is these two yes. teams, if you were to look at them, w would be relatively even. This is going to be a strong matchup. And it's going to be a good oh. game. To, it's going to be a good couple of games to watch because I don't know what's going to happen because they're, they're both completely healed. And this is the first time both of them have been completely healed all year. And they're coming back after a hiatus. And it's, this is a type of play-in situation we've never, ever seen before. So to predict it technically is really not – the only thing you can do is break apart what you've already seen 
because that's the only thing you've got, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's how they're going to play when they come into this. You have no fucking idea. None of us do. I feel like you just like reiterated what I said the whole podcast. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I really do feel like you just did that. But you also at the end right there, you said one of you could go off a little bit of the previous season. That's fine. Whatever floats your boat. But I'm yeah. telling you that this is what's going to happen. It's going to be a swagger deal and it's going to be those forwards and it's going to be Forsberg and it's going to be Duchesne and it's going to be Victor Arvidsson who didn't do shit all year long. That's what's going to happen. Yo, Devin, it might only happen one series. We only got a few more minutes here, and I know you got you to gotta run and do your show, HTM Undressed. Everyone who's watching this, when you're done, go check out Hold the Mayo, uh, HTM NOLA on Facebook, and, and go check out uh, HTM Undressed. Devin, thanks for taking the time here. I know you don't have too much, and thanks again, uh, Richie and Corey, for, uh, for jumping on as well. Uh, we got a few more minutes here, and since both of you are on uh, the soda pod. I wanted to, you know, we're talking about there's uncertainty in this, uh, well, in this series, just because both the teams are relatively even in Corey and well, Devin, I guess we're saying the same things there. So let's talk about matchups. I want to know respectfully from both, you know, Richie and Corey and you, Devin, what are the, what are the matchups that you're most excited for in regards you can go player versus player or line for line. And we'll, uh, we'll start with Richie. Yeah, I got. I actually got to run here in a, in a few minutes, guys. So this will be my, my mm. last answer, and I'll mic drop and get get out of here. Um, so for, for me, anyway, for me, I I'm fascinated by by the the special teams of both of these teams. I know it's cliche, but um, I, I'm curious to see what the Coyotes power play does. Based on everything that we've talked about over the last 25 minutes, is that the Coyotes power play. Here's a stat for you that is crazy. So they were top 20 in the league this year overall in terms of their power play percentage, which for Corey and I, who watched them all season, seems crazy because there were a lot of stretches where they were just garbage, including a stretch where they went they went 0 for 18, 0 for 18 in a row after the All-Star break. And that, that to me, is going de- to decide the series, is that the Coyotes' penalty kill is amazing. It's top five. And if their power play can, can – because we've seen all these games over the past two days. You saw the Minnesota game today where there was like, what, 35 penalty minutes total? Yeah, no, similar similar thing. The Wild were killed. They had a great penalty kill, and they couldn't do shit on the power play. Yeah, that's that to me is going to be one of my one of my biggest keys. And uh, and with that, Devin, uh, please send your twenty bucks to my Venmo account. Calm I'll down here, Richie. Calm now. down. Calm down. Same to you, each. Calm down, uh, buddy. Thank you for supporting the Coyote State of Poppy. Uh, cheers, everybody. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Uh, enjoy. That was uh, well. That was Richie uh, Suave Flores of Sporty with Corey and Richie uh, with the mic drop exit. Wow, um, Corey, uh, your thoughts. <laughs> Um, I don't know if there's particularly like player to player or line to line situations that I'm because it's going to be very interesting to see how a lot of these players, whether they are, you know, the high profile players or not are going to how they're going to be when they come back. It's such a weird situation to put them in. You're essentially putting them into, um, you know, summer camp with a bunch of people and then expecting them to go and rip each other's heads off. So it's an interesting situation that they're put in. So I wouldn't say necessarily like the players per like single player per se, but as much as I would say how I think how I'm very curious how um, the Coyotes forwards are going to do against Nashville's D to be honest with you, because it's going to be a complete crapshoot in the fact that either they will come together and it will be the 
like the most oiled machine that you will see you have seen out of the Coyotes all year because of the fact that they are coming back for redemption. And you know, the day that they hopped on the plane is the day that all the Chica stuff came out. So I'm sure that's you know a little bit of fuel for them as well because I for I know as a fan and as someone covering the team, we all kind of feel the fact that everyone is kind of treating us as a laughing stock right now. And so um, I would really more like to see. I'm looking forward to see like how they are going to come out, um, especially you know um, those players that normally don't get noticed. It would nice be nice for the the Garlands and the Dvoraks to be coming to the forefront in a game that's going to be watched by more than just the West Coast for once, because our games are you know it too. Our games are right. so late in the fact that on the East Coast a lot of times those players don't get recognition because they don't really get seen. Um, so it would be really interesting to see that. And then it would be just interesting to see a, a team that has touted their defense as much as uh, Nashville has and how rough defensively we all know this, these series are going to be because of the fact that no one is in the shape that they were before. And it's going to be going from zero to 60 real quick. And if you are going to be um, failing in something, it's going to be defense completely. So I'm really excited to see how these two are going to because it can be a rude awakening if the coyotes are are firing on all cylinders and they end up demolishing what is uh touted to be a a solid d and i mean no one's really talking about the coaching matchup too and the well-oiled like you said uh uh, talk it rick talk it versus you know john hines who really (laughs) didn't really do much uh down in new new jersey but is apparently the guy um, in Nashville, Devin, before we wrap things up here, buddy, uh, who, you know, we, again, in regards to matchups, you don't have to go player versus player. You don't have to go necessary line ver- versus line, but what's, what's either a matchup or something in particular that you got your eye on, or you want, you know, everyone else to, to keep their eye on in this series. We just, I mean, we got to not, not to just go off the pod, but we do got to rip more biscuits than in the past and what we did. <laughs> no, cause I mean, we lost, we got our ass kicked, uh, against Arizona. The, the, the time I remember. Um, and it was, it was like Phil Kessel. Uh, he had like two or three goals and you know, that's something that cannot happen. That dude's got to get shut down. Uh, I think guys like Ovidson, your wings, uh, they got to play, you know, Ovidson didn't have no shots at that time. And that was when Lavalet was coaching. So what I'm saying is I just think it's a whole different thing. Um, and I just think that the guys that weren't performing, I think your goalie situation is going to be significant. You'd hate to see SARS not do good. Uh, that first game, because then you, because then it's not good at all. You know what I'm saying? Because then you're going through that whole goalie swap shit, and we did it the whole entire year, and and it, and it confused us, you know. And that's why we couldn't win on Saturdays as well. But uh, I think it comes down to wings, goalies. I think we're going to be fat. Like as far as speed, I think, I think we'll be able to, uh, if we're all in form, and I mean all those forwards and everything. I think we'll be a little quicker than Arizona. <clears throat> What, uh, what do you got coming up on both Hold the Mayo and Rippin' Biscuits, Devin, before we let you go here? Uh, Rippin' Biscuits will be live. We've been going live uh, on Sundays, the Lord's Day. Uh, usually, like, in the evening, we, we go live. And then uh, it's been a tremendous success, so we're going to do that again. And uh, as far as Hold the Mayo, you know, it's wide open Wednesday tonight. So um, God only knows it, hey. what is going to happen there. But um, well, this podcast is released on Thursday. It's fucking throw up Thursday. So everyone get your pictures up. Hashtag uh, hold the mail. 
Yeah, Ish always has to remind me, but I'm I'm gonna get better with that. That's, I love it, dude. I got I ten photos waiting, just waiting every <laughs> week. I got them all fucking banked, ready to go. Because I went through my old Facebook, and I'm like, I don't even know how I got hired for jobs with all this shit still on the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, memories, memories are a disaster. Oh, God, I don't know, Corey. Have you had any of those memories pop up where you're just like, oh fuck, how is this still up on here? No, I luckily I a lot of my very embarrassing uh things that i've shared while i've been drunk have all been on stories so they disappeared after 24 hours um i'm very blessed in that sense (laughs) it's smart um what do you got coming up on a sporty with Corey and richie uh richie and i will be coming back on monday as always um and then who knows in there we've been popping up on stuff constantly after this whole chica thing so um you know just keep following us on our social media on uh, Twitter, we're at, at Corey underscore Richie show. And uh, that's where we'll be kind of sharing most of our stuff. We've been kind of uh, all over the place recently with everything that's been going on, which has been a blessing and exhausting at the same time. Hey, and if you want to support their merch store, we'll, we'll share the link for that as well. You can get a exclusive Sporty with Corey and Richie mask that is much cheaper than that of the hockey trolls at Caps Chirp. So. Oh. <laughs> so with <Gotcha>. that <laughs> so with that we'll let both of you go thanks again devin i know Hang you took on, time Isha, wait wait oh, what's up we've buddy? got to give Corey two minutes here to rant about how upset she is that she'll be joining the preds and the central division in two years here go <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like everyone's loving this rant um i think it's a bunch of bullshit that you have two um two teams that are expansion teams that are going to be taking the spot. Like, come on. It's like everyone acts as if we weren't here. You know, we used to actually be in Canada. We used to be the Jets. So at some point we have been an organization for so long that the fact that everyone just likes to ignore the fact that we exist down here and then kind of just, I feel like we're an afterthought, like, Oh, we'll just shove them over. It's not that big of a deal. It's a really fucking big deal. We're trying to get a bunch of fans behind hockey in a place where water boils when you walk outside so we're Ah. just hoping to try and get as many people as we can and the fact is there's a lot of bandwagon people that come through Arizona because there's a lot of people that aren't like this is my generation is the first generation that's like been with these teams because the teams haven't gotten here like the Coyotes got here when I was two this is our final chance where we're actually trying to get people who were born and raised here to be fans of these teams and you're going to fuck us by moving us to the central uh, behind me i actually have a pacific division champion thing well it doesn't fucking matter anymore because we're gonna be in the central it's okay anything that we've gained that we've made any progress in it's okay it's just dumb because you know like why don't we just get thrown around because there is no authority apparently that the coyotes have if it was any other team that was displaced like this because of expansion teams especially ones that were have been around for forever if they were originals or whatever people would be losing their goddamn minds because of the fact that they hold to their tradition since we aren't traditional we can just get thrown around and no one will even rethink about the fact of trying to change this is your opportunity to change the divisions and the way that everything is made now that you finally have gotten to your 32 that you're going to keep you can realign everything Craig Morgan put out an article about um, how you could essentially do it like um, the NFL so that way there's not an immense amount of travel the Coyotes as it is travel their travel is pretty bad it's going to be exponentially worse so if you're not 
if not anything else, it's the fact that you are hurting the players with the fact that their travel is going to be ass every season. And then they always end up having these horrible um, schedules on top of it. The schedule this season, they were so many games ahead of everyone that it was at a point where they were literally just waiting to see where everyone was going to be behind them. So that way they could see where they were going to be when it came off to playoff chances. And so if you're going to fuck them in schedule, fuck them in what division they're in and with travel, it's how do you expect a team to win and to flourish in that point? You brought the fucking heat state of hoppy. That was uh, that was one banger way to end this segment. You're right, Corey. We love when you fucking go on this rant because you bring just as much passion as Devin does on Red Bean no, Mondays no. there on Hold the Mail. <laughs> I think people forgot that I talked this whole podcast. <laughs> Trust me, they didn't forget you, my man. No one can forget that fucking shit-eating grin. No. But, uh... <laughs> No, I appreciate y'all. It's been uh, phenomenal. Seriously. No, we appreciate it, man. And we want you and Craig to come back again. And, and same with you, Corey and Richie. It's been an absolute blast. I mean, we have so many more topics that we could have got into, but I, I was telling State of Hoppy, like we may not need to get into any of our notes as soon as Devin jumped in here. We just sat back and let you two <laughs> at her. And I think it was unbelievable. Quickly, before we let you guys go and we wrap up the show, I mean, some of the comments here, Nick Berlansky of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, he jumped in. And as soon as I Devin got in, he was like, let's go. This is the show down we've been waiting for we got uh aaron toso who's saying preds we got todd that guy's Doucette. a weird fucking guy bro watch that guy <laughs> we got todd Doucette saying hold it so uh you brought the heat both of you and i absolutely love it we gotta let you go though because we gotta conclude this we really appreciate it uh devin i'll be joining you on undressed and Corey and richie i'll definitely be catching your show on monday uh have a good night you two we really appreciate you stopping by thanks for I'll having take care. us <clears throat> again that was Corey Crenshaw and Rich, Richie Suave <laughs> Flores. I, uh, I got to cut Devin off for the first time. Very happy uh, for that as he likes to always give me the oh, click shit. on his show. Wow. So we've gone, you know what? Our clock wasn't too bad. You know, you, you kind of screwed the pooch a little bit there, State of Hoppy, because I knew Corey was going to go on for like five minutes, which, hey, unbelievable content. A couple minutes. It was totally <laughs> worth it. Well, and I, just, I will just say totally one comment on what Corey said. Like, she's Please. complaining about how her Pacific banner doesn't matter anymore. The only banners the Wild have are from the Northwest, which doesn't even exist anymore. So, there like, you go. You know, it was funny though. I just, I recall the Vegas guys on our last show were saying that like, I don't know why they're complaining. They're more East anyways than all of these clubs, even Edmonton and Calgary. Um, I am actually going to clip this and, and send it, uh, send it right, right to them. Um, we got to wrap things up here. State of Hoppy. I did want to get into a couple other pieces of news, but uh, I'll just give them a teaser for Sunday. Cause we may have more on the story than anyways. Uh, Mike Babcock back in the hockey world, advising the NCAA. We'll get into that. Uh, on Sunday, as well as a massive COVID outbreak as the KHL uh, season started here, or the preseason anyways. Uh, Avangard Omsk, over 20 players and five staff members um, have already tested positive for COVID-19. There's a few North American players who are you know, getting ready and geared up to go join that team. You got to think that they're not going there anymore. And same with SKA St. Petersburg. They've had a minor outbreak 
as well. So, and those are some things I want to get into um, uh, on uh, on Sunday. And obviously, we'll game one of Vancouver, Minnesota will have been uh, will will have been played, and we'll be able to run that down as well. I've heard that actually Michael Furland has been really, really uh, impressing the Vancouver Canucks, and that he's been pushing himself above Jake Vertanen in, in the lineup, which is pretty interesting. So, all that and more on uh, on Sunday, and you can find that on Monday. Uh, we also have a special guest on Sunday. You want to tease that for us? Yeah, special guest on Sunday is going to be Waconia Brewing Company. First brewery we're going to get on here full-fledged. We're going to have Tanner, who is their brand manager. We're going to have Tom, who's their head brewer. It's going to be a great conversation. Um, and Isha, before we jump off here, we can dive into it more on Sunday, but we've got to at least lay it out before games start. So let's hear it. Give me top to bottom. Who's your order for the West and the East for the, for the round robin? Um, give me one second to just bring it up here. All right. Tell you what, I'll lead on East and you can go second and then you got to go first on West. How's that? Okay, sound? So, sounds good. Sounds good. Perfect. And we'll explain these more on Sunday or defend them if they look horrible by the time we record on Sunday, <laughs> but I'm going to go Tampa at one. I'm going to go Philly at two. I'm going to go Washington three, Boston four. Don't worry. You shall get these down. I'm going Capitals one. Okay. I'm going Boston two. Lightning three. Flyers four. That's what I'm thinking. We are like almost polar opposites. I love this. It's going to make it way more fun for our bet. Yeah, that's what I'm I'm thinking. You know what? Like I really, I think Washington is just being overlooked because, you know, they're the team kind of like St. Louis that just did it. But they're a damn good team, man. Oh, they are. Yeah, and I'm I not think that they have. About they're they're going deep into the playoffs. I'm no, I know, about I know. How this play and round robin's going to go. Yeah, and you I think they're going to bring the heat. Then. I think they're going to bring the heat there. Uh, in the West, okay. I th- I think the Avalanche number one, and yeah, maybe that may not be off the board here, but Avalanche number one, we'll say uh, Golden Knights number two, Blues number three, Stars number four. Oh, this is going to be so fun. We're going to be yeah, I love different it. tier too. I love it. I'm going. Hot take, Dallas Stars one. Jesus Christ. I'm going Vegas Golden Knights two, so we agree on that. So that's okay. a wash. And then I'm going Colorado three, St. Louis four. Shit, so you got St. Louis as four. See, I wanted to put them at one, but I thought realistically. We're splitting hairs, man. But it's one of those things where, hey, they don't care about this. They don't care who they match up with. They want to get through unscathed. Like, Think about you say that until and, the puck drops, though, until someone right. says that first well, I, chirp. Then it's fucking game on, man. I get it. Okay. The, the reality of where I'm going in the West is I'm taking the two strongest goaltending cars. Yeah, I can see That's that. That's it. <laughs> I can see that. Dallas has the goaltending. So yeah. does Vegas. No, Everyone's going to be cold. If you can keep the puck out of the net, it's going to work out. That's where my rationale okay. is. Vegas so we'll has Leonard. Let's, Vegas has Leonard. Let's pump the brakes here and they have the goaltending, okay? Mark Andre, he's, he's, fi- he's fine in spurts, but I'm just saying. I'm just <laughs> saying. Um, no, all right, yeah, we'll get into it more on Sunday uh, for sure because we got to move right along here. Thanks to those tuning in on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Folks, the best thing you can do for us this week besides donating <clears throat> on Patreon is to give us five stars and a review on Apple and iTunes. Tell us your favorite lake. 
be a chance to win something moving forward. Uh, go listen to our website, thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or on your app. Please download the episode before you listen as it helps our business. And speaking of business, I forgot to run down our sponsors. Go check us out at manscaped.com. Use promo code THPN for 20% off. And also our friends at coolhockey.com. Go to coolhockey.com slash THPN. It's just easier to track your order. And uh, use promo code THPN for 30% off. Again, big thanks to all those Minnesota Wild fans who bought their Kaprizov jersey, their hand-stitched Kaprizov jersey through coolhockey.com. More Adidas stock very, very soon now that the NHL stores are back. Now that hockey's back, Cool Hockey will be back with all their jerseys very, very soon. Uh, Again, promo code THPN for 30% off. Jump on Patreon, patreon.com slash the hockey podcast network. Uh, we have more shows coming up. We have more interactive segments coming up. We have more content coming up for all of our loyal patrons. We're going to be upping the paywall just a little bit, but you'll see why. We have more swagger to give away for those who move up to tier $5, $10 and $20 plus. We also, like I said, have a bunch of fresh new content. Dylan and I, we don't dip our feet into the pool at all. All the donations go to the hosts who contribute on the show. Where can they find you on social media, sir? You can find me at State of Hoppy on Twitter and Instagram. Find myself at VI Sports Talk, of course, the Soda Pod at the Soda Pod, and the Hockey Podcast Network on all social media at Hockey Pod Net. You good, State of Hoppy? I'm great, man. Signing off. I'm the state of Hoppy alongside Isha Jerome. This has been The Soda Pod presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Don't fear, just drink some beer and stay wild. I love it. You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs>